Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, is the co-host, it's Padawan J. You know, it's funny. When I woke up this morning, I think I saw Yadier Molina's bat flying by my bedroom window. Do you think that's getting more distance than the home run Albert Pulos hit way back when in Houston? Or was, uh, it, or was it Carlos Beltran? I think it was Beltran. And, uh, legend has it, uh, that ball is now traveling past Pluto. Uh, yeah, I can't remember which one. But yeah, that one is rivaling Molina's bat flip, which mm-hmm. we will get into later in the yes. show. Because we're talking postseason baseball a little later. Mm-hmm. But we can't leave the start of the show without mentioning your coach my coach the coach coach duffy is in studio i was just glad that my keys still worked to come in the studio this morning when i walked in (laughs) yes because if you listen to last week's show you heard his infamous picks for locks and leaps yep and that's where we're going to kick off this week's edition of the odph sports show with so obviously join in the conversation on social media you can find all our links on ochodoroparleyhour.com and use that hashtag hashtag odph to join in because we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports and you know we're going to start kicking off with those locks and leaps in the NFL action. So, Pad, why don't you start us off? Sure. i uh, start with my lock. I took the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the New York Jets. Uh, they did so and covered the spread by a final score of 31-6. to And almost crushed me in fantasy football. Yeah, uh, Alone. So, so Luke mm-hmm. Falk, 15 of 26 for 120 yards, passing zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Car- mm. Carson Wentz, 17 of 29 for 189 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. I was going to add, he did. Falk had two touchdown passes, but they were to Eagles. Uh, yes. Yes. Because that's what almost killed me. Yes. When you think about the Jets, it's like how, how bad the season has started out for them. Obviously, Sam Darnold with the mono, and they've had some injuries, and this has not been the way that I think the Jets were playing. And coming. this has got to be – I, I cannot take credit for this. I saw this on the NFL subreddit. This has got to be the best-case scenario for Sam Darnold because, admittedly, going into the season, expectations weren't that high. You know, it was looking like if the season didn't go well, maybe they'd look for somebody else, you know, to fill in his quarterback spot. Now he's looking like a million dollars at how bad they look without him. Well, I I mean, in our preview show, we thought that them and the Bills would be fighting for that 2-3 spot and possibly a wild card berth, you know, um, with obviously the Patriots winning the division and now 0-4. And and the way that the season's gone, I mean, yes, Sam Darnold's coming back against Dallas this weekend, but, I mean, is it too little too late? Because you you got to go the rest of the way. You got to go ten and six. That means you can lose ten, two more games at best. Well, here's their upcoming schedule. You mentioned Dallas. After that, they've got uh, New England, Jacksonville, Miami, Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, uh, Steelers, and Buffalo yeah, to I'm close count, out the year. I'm counting more than two losses there. Yeah. When you start out 0-4, statistically speaking, your season is more or less over. There's still a chance, but it, it's real slim. It's it, Yeah, you still Only have a chance. Only one New York team has a chance to do that. Right. Mm. And obviously, we're going to kind of have to wait and see about that one. Well, no, I'm saying the oh, Giants and the, did it in, in, in years the past, Super Bowl yes. years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In years yeah. past, but I'm yeah. saying this year we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah. I just don't see it with this Jets lineup. No. I mean, losing 31-6 to against Philly. Yeah. 
you know that you had your third string quarterbacks in, and Luke Falk definitely is not the guy for the team. And it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I, – because, I mean, I've got Jets fans that were friends that were like, you know, this might be the, the opportune time to get Kaepernick in or bring in somebody that, you know, would be able to play and win games. But it's like, you know, at the same time, it's really difficult to get a quarterback in at this point to yeah. teach the system yeah. and get them used to it, especially without oh, a absolutely. bye week. Right. So it's like, what you know, maybe they – what they felt like was probably the best move for their organization was to leave the guys that they had from training camp in. But obviously, they need some depth at quarterback because yeah. if Sam Darnold goes down again, period for anything, it's it's a done. It's done. It's I a, mean, it's a wrap. It's you know, I'm, and I'm not saying they need to have some Pro Bowl or backup, but it's like you know, you look around the NFL. It's like a lot of teams have adequate backups that can at least go in and get the job done. You know, you look in New Orleans with Teddy Bridgewater, and you know. Uh, uh, Washington obviously has a various amount of quarterbacks, but you know Casey Keenum, Colt McCoy, you know comparable quarterbacks. Um, and then you look at the Jets, and it's like they had who you know well, yeah, behind and, Sam Darnold. It's well, that's silly. Well, yeah, and of course Luke Falk is now they're listed as their second string quarterback. Of course, with Trevor Simeon being down for the year with IR, but, but I'm, even before that, I mean right. Simeon was not going to get the job done, no. right? And I mean I'm looking at their depth chart. Their depth chart. They've got a gentleman by the name of David Fails Falls Fails, uh, who was uh, drafted in 2014, sixth round pick by the Chicago Bears out of uh, San Jose State. But exactly like. That, that's not exactly you know your savior coming through the doors if something goes wrong. No, absolutely not. And for the Jets, you have to hope Sam Darnold is going to be looking good against Dallas. Obviously, it's a tough, tough yeah. task coming back this week. Yeah, I know a lot of people watching the Vegas line are saying that that's almost a gimme. I, I'm going to say this. I'm not taking this as my lock and leap. I don't doubt the Jets coming out with a little more spark with Darnold back. Could be. I mean, I think so, but at the same time, Dallas definitely is going to have a bad taste in their mouth from their game against Green yeah. Bay. Oh, yeah, which, yeah. We, which we'll dig into a little later on this show. Yeah, that they're going to want to come out and just pounce on this Jets team in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jets, I mean, they have a very steep uphill battle if they want to try salvage in the season. On the flip coin, you got to look at Philly and really have to be impressed with what they're doing. I mean, they, they came in there, they beat a lesser team. Yeah, and the way that you're supposed to, you beat their heads in. Right, mm-hmm. and, and their defense, credit to them. I mean, they got to Luke Falk nine times. Yeah, when you're putting that much pressure on a quarterback, Oof. it's going to be an easier day for you than ten, you think. Ten times considering their third-string guy, David Fales, got in there, and they sacked him once. So they got to the Jets quarterbacks and threw the Jets line ten times. And Carson Wentz is still healthy. So, I mean, yeah. obviously throwing a buck 89 for a touchdown. Jordan Howard got the game going on the ground for 62-1. and one. You have to be very impressed with Philly right now. Yeah. I mean, defensively, you do. That offense isn't striking fear in me. I mean, no, no, but 189, obviously, I mean, given the fact that the defense scored two touchdowns, you know, you're not really getting the ball offensively when your right. defense is putting on that kind of performance. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Philly's got to show me something offensively. Yeah. Because they have not had good performances. I mean, I, I come right offhand, I'm thinking about that game against Washington, yeah. that they got lucky. That Washington stumbled along the way to win, you know, that they were able to close out that game. So, what, uh, and Philly, I know they've got some injuries. I mean, Deshaun Jackson missed another game. So I'm sure once he comes back, things will get rolling. But, I mean, they got to establish a run game. They got to figure out who's going to be the lead back in this system. And then Carson Wentz really, I mean, hasn't played great. I mean, he's not caught, he's not. Turning the ball over, no, no, which he, is huge. No, he has he hasn't played great, but he's done enough to win. Like I don't want to say he's game managing, because right, I, but he I, is, he is. <laughs> yeah, like because yeah. usually when you say that, you're you're putting a a certain vision in people's heads. Well, and, when I think of that, I think Trent Dilfer. Yeah, well, that's that, <laughs> throwing I, dimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. 
But when you see Wentz in this system, he's playing smart. He's playing safe. Is he really striking fear in the hearts of the teams? No, but with him on the field, it does give Philly a little bit of swagger that they feel very confident behind him. Well, and even when Deshaun Jackson comes back, somebody else in that receiving core has got to step up because right now nobody's doing it. I mean, you look at the game yesterday, Zach Ertz, 57 yards, Alshon Jeffrey, 52 yards, Nelson Aguilar, one catch for 20 yards. Darren Sproles, you know, got targeted once but didn't catch it and didn't make any yards. Like, somebody's got to step up. Somebody will step it up. I mean, Philly's been known to have kind of a struggling wide receiver core. Yeah. Well, I mean, but they shouldn't, though. They should. That's the quarterback play, though. Right. But you know they, I mean? But it's like I said, it takes two to tango and everybody's dancing. Different. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, just, I mean, Alshon Jeffries is still a Pro Bowl level player. I mean, you can't argue that. And Zach Ertz obviously is a Pro Bowler. And Nelson Aguilar, I mean, everybody rides or dies with him in fantasy. I mean, a lot of people pick him up thinking that he's going to be a red zone threat. And then, you know, he gets one target for 20 yards. Yeah. So yeah. it's like offensively, they definitely need to get the wide receivers in in going here. But, again, I think that just goes back to the play of Carson Wentz. It does. Because, I mean, when Deshaun Jackson comes back, I mean, these targets are going to be less. But I think what Jackson does is able to open the uh, the field up by his down, you know, yeah. being able to stretch the field. Yeah. That yeah. It helps, but you got to get him the ball. You have to get him the ball. I mean, Wentz definitely needs to keep up with his rivals in the NFC East to make sure that – they're going to get their chance to get to the playoffs. I mean, they're doing enough to win the games against the bad teams. Yeah. But when they got to step up against the really good echelon of the NFL, that's where your you know benchmark is going to be set. And they have to find a way to make sure they're doing it on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is looking great. Oh yeah, no right. issues there. I mean, they haven't even. I mean, the next week they got a really they got the Vikings next week. That will be in in Minnesota. Yeah, that's going to be a real challenge. That will be telling for both teams. You mm-hmm. know, as we go into our lot, you know, our leap there, but. Um, that will be a very telling game for both teams because both teams are coming off wins against opponents that they should have beat and beat handedly. So now it'll be interesting to see what they do against each other. No, yeah, the next month of game is definitely going to be a test for Minnesota, Dallas, Buffalo, Chicago, and then they got the bye week. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. It's not an easy road. That's a so slate. If, no. if Philly wants to make a run for the NFC East title, they're going to have to definitely get their A games on and bring it every week. Yeah. Because taking a flip of it to Pad's leap, yep. that the Cowboys decided – well, they were going to face the Green Bay Packers and definitely ran into some trouble. I mean, Pad, you had the Packers on your leap. Yeah, I did. And uh, how about them Cowboys? How yeah, about them Cowboys? Yeah, so the Cowboys were favored by a couple of points, but I thought, mm, you know what, something I, I couldn't remember the stat off him, but I was like, I know Aaron Rodgers has been really good at AT and T Field. He's seven and two uh-huh. against Dallas in his career because they including, ran the stats, yeah. including a Super Bowl win. Uh, so, of course, Green Bay won by the final score of 34-24. to 24. Aaron Rodgers, 22 of 34 for 238 yards passing, uh, no touchdowns or interceptions. Dak Prescott, 27 of 44 for 463 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. But the one thing I saw that is not on the box score that I think is probably the most telling thing with Dallas's loss, Dak Prescott on third down, zero yards passing. Ugh. That's gross. Huge. Cannot do that and expect to win a game. And also, in another unrelated uh, box score note, there, Troy Aikman patted the ego again in this in this game. I don't know if you yeah. guys watched it, but yeah. they were talking about the uh, the brief or the great uh, rivalry that is the Packers versus Dallas, yeah. and they were showing the the illustrious you know who's who of quarterbacks. 
that have played in this game. So they showed Roger Starback's record against Green Bay. They showed Brett Starr against the against the Cowboys. Then they get to Troy Aikman, you know, and Troy Aikman's like, you know, six and two against Dallas, yeah, you know, or against Green Bay in his career. Then they show Brett Favre, who was He's obviously like, two and six, yeah. because he lost all those games. And they're, you know, they're like, oh well, all the great quarterbacks. Troy, you went uh, had a great run against the uh, Green Bay Packers at six and two. Then the next slide is Brett Favre, who was two and six, and they're like, huh, well, Brett lost a lot of those games because you were playing against him, Troy. And it's like, Stop why? Oh my God! I mean. Listen, I know this is a tangent, but I have to, whenever Dallas plays the Giants, I have to hear, back when we used to play the Giants, just uh, spank them. I mean, this wasn't even a game. It's like, Troy, I like, Tony Romo doesn't do that when he's in the booth. No, he's excellent. You know, dude. he's fantastic. And all these other old, you know, these uh, ex-quarterbacks who go into the booth and do this, you know, they don't bring up their playing days, not like Buck and Troy Aikman do with him. I don't it know, is it's not, obnoxious. It's not just a football thing. I, I hear it a lot in other sports too, and it's kind of like, uh, all right, like I get you're talking about when you played and all that, but times have changed. Yeah, well, but it's just like it's it's unnecessary. Just go and do the call, and especially last week with the dig at Coop. Yeah, like, that's just not needed. Like, yeah. why even say something along those lines? It's because of the old school mentality of just let's talk about me. Well, and, yeah, you know, but that's well, the thing. But when you win as many Super Bowls as Aikman did, right? Nobody's gonna. What are they gonna say to yeah, you? Exactly. You know? And so, you're the and you're on the A team for the calls. So what are they gonna do? Bump yeah, you out? You know? Yeah, it's the CM Punk rule. I yeah. have the mic in my hand. <laughs> Listen, like that. Yeah, that, that's literally what it was. And especially with the game too, you can't really talk too much about Dallas's. I'll put in this game. I no. mean, Aaron Rodgers. If I told you that the Packers put up 34 points and Aaron Rodgers didn't throw for a touchdown, you'd probably look at me crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was rejoicing because I was playing him in fantasy and was very happy every time I saw Aaron Jones get the ball and <laughs> within yeah. the five. I was going to say, uh, I think every, Aaron Jones is quickly becoming like the most sought after uh, waiver wire pickup in fantasy uh, football. Yeah, well, you have to think. He runs for a buck 07 and four touchdowns. Yeah. And when was the last time that ever happened to Dallas? I think that's the first time ever they had yeah. four touchdowns. Yeah, he tied a Green Bay record, too, for rushing touchdowns in a game. Yeah, you have to just look at the Packers are getting it done without Click Aaron Rodgers having to do everything. You know, and I'll tell you, that defense has been, uh, while you know they've given up stats, they're definitely a bend-don't-break defense. Mm-hmm. That Their offense can go out and win them games, and their defense only needs to do bend-don't-break. Yeah. I mean, and it works for them because at the end of the day, you know Aaron Rodgers is going to put up. 20 plus points yeah so if you give up field goals you know three here three there maybe a touchdown all right so the games you know what that would be like 12 uh yeah or 13 24 you know you got to feel comfortable with your defense being able to close out the rest of the way and that's exactly what happened here green bay put 34 on them and they were up uh they were up 28 to i think uh, six. Yeah, something going. Like that. Yeah, twenty-eight six going into like the third quarter or going into halftime. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously Dallas was able to get in the game, but Green Bay went down field goal, went down another field goal, and they were able to to stretch their lead. And you know, ultimately the defense closed the door on the fourth down. You know, in the fourth uh, quarter. You know, this game was wild because like uh, it got to like halftime or whatever, whatever it was, and then. Green Bay's just stomping all oh, I over. I thought it was going to be a route. I mm-hmm. was like, oh, this, well, this game's over. Like, I'll go do something else. And I went to go do something else. And, you know, some TV TV shows I watched was getting ready to come out. I was like, oh, let's go see what the game is. And I'm like, holy crap, Dallas made a game out of this. Well, you have to say that Dallas is better than we thought, but also they have a lot of more question marks mm-hmm. than we originally had planned. With well, I think this goes to the argument that a lot of people were having social media-wise of, who Dallas played mm-hmm. to be four and zero, right? Yeah, you know, and now this was their first challenge at home, 
and they put up a dud of a performance. I mean, I don't care that it's 34-24. That was a dud of a performance because oh, yeah. you were down 28-6 at halftime or something like that. Yeah, they got garbage points. Yeah, it I was mean, garbage time. And, and that's the thing because even if you look at the stat line, okay, Dak Prescott throwing for 463, two touchdowns, three interceptions. That's right. a killer. Yeah, it's a great stat line except for the three INTs. And the yeah. one INT was a backbreaker because it was on a third down mm-hmm. with a route that wasn't open, and he just threw the ball to throw it, and it was picked right off by a Green Bay defender. And then on the flip side, you got Ezekiel, you know, Mr. Feed Me More, Feed Me, Feed Me, Feed Me, mega contract, 12 carries, 62 yards. Yeah, with a touchdown. Th- that was weird, too, because, I, I mean, they kept showing him on the side. I mean, there was drives where he was sitting – on the sideline without even a helmet on. Yeah. And I couldn't hear what they were saying when they were showing him. Um, so I don't know if maybe they had said why he wasn't in on a drive, but I mean, there was literally uh, one stretch of the game where it was like, uh, you know, Ezekiel was on the sideline the entire drive up until the point where they kicked the field goal. And it's like, you just paid him. Yeah. Why is he not in the game on every down? Well, there's especially an entire drive. Uh-huh. Well, it was just a lot of questionable calls that Dallas was doing, in my opinion, watching this game. That when they got punched in the mouth, they got away from what has been winning them games. Yeah. And when you get Elliott involved in that offense, it, it usually kind of balances out. Now, granted, did I think that Dak Prescott was going to win a shootout versus Aaron Rodgers? No way. No, no. not a chance. Not a chance. No. But did I think that they put up a good performance – in the second half, yeah, after getting punched in the mouth, but not enough that I would say crown them the kings of the NFC East. No, God, no. Definitely not. I mean, they definitely have some work to do. Yeah, and I mean, they got a, some interesting games coming up. Of course, we mentioned they play the Jets next week, and then they play Philly in Week 7, by week and Week 8, and then they've got the Giants, Vikings, Lions, Patriots, Bills, Bears, Rams, Eagles, and uh, Redskins to close out the year. So it's like a really up and down, yeah. you know, pretty roller coaster type. Yeah. Yeah. Stretch there. Yeah, it's no easy run. And one that if they're going to start putting some wins together, they're going to have to do a lot more than what they showed up on with on Sunday. I mean, uh-huh. Green Bay take nothing away from them. Four and one in the NFC North, not a bad thing to be right now. And no. can we can we talk about that relationship that Lafleur has with Aaron Rodgers? Because I mean, it's weird. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's like I I mean there was one point where uh, Aaron Rodgers had you know the play the play came in a little bit late in the clock uh-huh. and he gets in the line. You know, and the play clock's running down, three, two, one. He calls the timeout, and then the huddle, LaFleur comes up to him, and they talk. You know, it doesn't look like a uh, disagreement, but it does, you know, you can see because the camera was right there. You see the frustration on Rodgers' face. They go out, they run the play, uh, basically set up for a field goal, and then he comes out, and Aaron Rodgers is like, you know, LaFleur comes up to him, you know, not doesn't grab him by the chest, but, you know, Pats him on the uh, the chest plate there of his shoulder pads, and it's just like this really awkward conversation that they have because Aaron Rodgers just looks at him like, "Yo, get back up off me!" Like you know, it's it's a very weird dynamic because the first the, the week the week one there was a lot of disconnect mm-hmm. there, and I I think that it's something that's really really like I uh, should be more of a story because I think that there's more there than what meets the eye as far as a turbulence there. Well, I think it comes down to Aaron Rodgers has f- the feeling that he has earned the right to call his own plays. And yeah. doesn't Kind of like how Peyton Manning had an offense coordinator, but he never paid attention. Right. Because yeah. he just audible everything at the line of scrimmage. It's different with Rodgers because, I mean, we kind of heard about this too with uh, Mike McCarthy that when they started having their disconnect. Right. Because Rodgers felt a certain way that the offensive should go when they are on the field and – if the offense is going that way and the coach doesn't like it, 
I mean, well, basically, Sam, who's the draw? Who's the straw stirring the yeah, drink? Yeah, well, wasn't it like with McCarthy? McCarthy like, all right, run this play, and Rogers would get to the huddle and be like, all right, we're running this totally yeah. separate play. And I, I, well, for me, I think just personally, like being a first-time head coach with a veteran, you know, because this is the opposite of what Cleveland has going on. You know, Cleveland has a young head coach with a young quarterback versus Green Bay that has a veteran quarterback and a first-time head coach. I would probably lean on him a little bit more. Then I would, you know, try and question him as far as if he makes an audible at the line. I yeah. mean, this is a what twelve-year veteran, well, and, and that's the problem you have is you have a new court, a new head coach that has to earn the respect of a twelve-year All-Pro right. that, that is arguably the MVP of the league. And that's arguably. the that's the the catch twenty-two of it all because at the same year. time, fourteen-year, yeah, you gotta you know you gotta find the fine line of all right. When am I letting him get away with too much? You know, letting him walk all over me at the same time, you know, losing respect in the locker room. So it's like it's a very fine line. It's a weird dynamic they have in Green Bay, and that's the only thing you can say. But they're winning, so right. winning, winning camouflage is a lot. <laughs> it it heals all wounds. Yes, it does. And when you take a look at Dallas, now that you're starting to see the L's form, they need to get back on track in, in a hurry. And because now all of a sudden everybody that's chirping, we them boys going to the Super Bowl, book the tickets. Well, they got oh, yeah. undefeated season. Yeah, they got a very easy week next week. I don't I, Sam Darnold back or not, I don't care. Dallas is definitely going to go in and and win that game. I'm just saying this: the Vegas in me is saying avoid this game. I I am just telling you right now. But do I think Dallas should win this? Yes. If Dallas, oh is yeah, a, if Dallas is a real contender. You beat those teams that you should definitely crush. Yeah. I don't think they're going to – whatever the spread is, I know we'll get into it down the street. I, I don't think they'll cover against the Jets, but I definitely think that they're going to win this game in the Meadowlands. I want to say less than so I was six. I yeah. Think, yeah, six or seven. Yeah. yeah so. so I definitely think they'll cover, but it's going to be closer than, than meets the eye. But I think this will be the true test if Dallas is a real contender because, like I said, if you are if you are a upper echelon team in the NFL – you need to beat those teams that are weaker than you. Let's get a quick break in before we let Coach Duffy start talking the Giants. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts because we definitely want to interact with you. And, yeah, let's go hit a break off quick. You are listening to the ODPH podcast. On a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. On a podcast. Anyway, I'm going to start closing up the One Movie Punch secret volcano layer, and we'll meet you back at home. With a secret volcano layer. Wait, wait, uh, volcano layer, really? Uh, uh, with a secret volcano layer, one podcast host just can't seem to get a break. This October. Oh, what happened? Joseph is forced to survive by any means possible. Who keeps a parking lot full of wood chippers? In a serial audio drama of adventures. Blood. Blood everywhere. Fountains and fountains of blood. That can only be called Reign of Terror 2019. Join us in October 2019 for 31 straight days of horror movie reviews and interviews featuring Joseph, the One Movie Crunch crew, 17 podcast guest reviewers, special guests, and me, your narrator, Shane Hyde. Don't miss Reign of Terror 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 
Does this mean I miss Joker? No. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And before we get into our leap and let Coach talk about the Giants, we have to talk about our lock. Because Coach and I decided to share the locks and leaps this week. And we took New England mm-hmm. against Washington. Pad, why don't you hit those beautiful stats? Sure. So, of course, uh, the New England Patriots defeated the Washington Redskins by a final score of 33-7. to Tom Brady, 28-42 of 42 for 348 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, on the flip side, Colt McCoy started for the Washington uh, Redskins, had 18-27 of 27 for 119 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Jay Gruden also fired after this game, too. Yeah. That, hence the 5 a.m. joke, guys, if you missed that. It, yes. It, I, slight side note. Is it the coldest thing in recent NFL history to fire a head coach a week before he gets to play and potentially beat the Miami Dolphins for his first win? No. no. Not after everything that's going on there. Because there's a lot. I mean, between the uh, viral video that came out of him partying. Yeah. Then, I honest, about to, that one. honest to God, I really think the, the camel that broke, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back was the comment that he made after the Giants game where they said, you know, how do you feel about your job security? And he said, well, as long as I go to the facility and my key still works, I know that I'll have a job. I really think that, all, you know, pushed this plus the viral video that really made this, like, the decision. Because to call a man in at 5 a.m., yeah. I think that was the ultimate, like, you know, go F yourself. Yeah. Like, this is what we're going to do to you because of your comments. Mm-hmm. Well, and deviating from the game a little bit, because I saw this on the rear of the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center this morning, and... I think this is a really great point to make with who, where do the Redskins go from here? So, you know, if you can find the video, look it up because Scott Van Pelt makes a great point. Where do you go from here? <laughs> You've already tried bringing back the legend, you know, and that didn't work. You tried bringing back the era. You tried the era parent. That didn't work. You tried the defensive minded guy. That didn't work. You, you tried, tried the, the college o- coach. Tried the college coach. You tried the offensive minded guy. Like, where do you go from here? You've tried everything. You have to get a new owner. Yeah. I'm. I don't even think it's that. I think you just need to, first off, the owner needs to take a step back and remove himself from the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to fire your general manager. <clears throat> yes. Because you gave, listen, I am as big of a fan of Landon Collins as there probably is out there. This dude was not worth the money that they gave him. And I know I said, and I said on the show that, you know, I was upset to see him walk away and that the Giants didn't pay him because his leadership and presence is important, but you play you were paying a man to play safety that should be playing li- that should be playing linebacker mm-hmm. at this point because he can't cover anybody. Right. And you know, you're paying him this money and he's underperforming. Not to mention, I mean, the offensive line situation, I mean, their best offensive lineman is not showing up for camp and you're not moving him. You know, that that's a problem in itself. You know, then you draft Dwayne Haskins, who apparently your head coach didn't want. Right. You know, which you know the rumor at the draft was that the reason why the Giants took Daniel Jones at six was because there was a team outside the top ten who was looking at him. Whether that be Washington or not, we don't know, but it's fair to speculate that it probably was. So the Washington right now is almost 
if not as bad as the Dolphins. Well, you have to think. I mean, their own five, obviously losing thirty three to seven to the Patriots or five and zero. Losing thirty three to seven to the Patriots, and the, you know having a home crowd that, according to what I read online, because I wasn't able to watch the game coming back from New York Comic Con. You know, in a stadium that was probably 75-80% Patriots fans and confusing the absolute crap out of Brady and Josh Gordon. Well, I mean, that's the thing. If your team is that bad, and with the Patriots, I mean, hey, the Patriots are who the Patriots are. They'll travel. Those fans will travel. Sure, especially when a game that's probably what? Maybe that's a five, six-hour drive? Something like that. Something like that, you know? that's That's an easy thing to go to. And with Washington being in the state of, you know, uncertainty, because that's the only way you can describe it. Like, for me... The biggest problem is Dan Snyder, and obviously when he's meddling with the team, in, right. my, in my opinion, it, it, it's just not doing any favors to anybody. But for a head coach now coming in this, they need to get lightning in a bottle and get somebody that nobody's expecting that there's oh, no pressure. Some of the names that I've seen tossed out, you know, that they're talking about, you know, Tomlin and uh, somebody else that's already secured head coach, it's like, you're not going to get anybody out of a cushy position mm-hmm. that they're already in right now. I mean, Tomlin's not going to leave the well-ran and solid team of the Pittsburgh Steelers to come coach a team that is in this much disarray. No, oh, yeah, I mean, and of course, they won the Super Bowl way back in, in 1991. You know, had a record of 14-2. and two. But you just look at the coaches they've had since they won that Super Bowl. And, and just, if you know nothing about football, you just know the names. You know, it's mind-boggling that they haven't had more success with some of these head coaches. Norv Turner, Mar- Marty Schottenheimer, Steve Spurrier, Joe Gibbs. And of course, they had Jim Zorn and then Mike Shanahan before they had Jay Gruden. Well, they had potential for success with Shanahan with... Um, oh my God! The quarterback Robert Griffin, Robert oh, Griffin yeah. the third, my brain. Uh, yeah, I mean he obviously had a amazing rookie season and a great, you know, solid second season. But they ran him into the ground by running him so much mm-hmm. that you know he inevitably tore his ACL and was never the same after that. And ultimately, you know, Kirk Cousins comes in, plays serviceably, you yeah. know, and then leaves yeah. for that big contract out there in Minnesota. Um. So it's not like the franchise doesn't know how to how to draft and get in position to be successful, but you know ultimately it's the other decisions you know that Snyder and uh, Bruce Smith as, as general manager that are doing that is causing this franchise to be you know light years behind others. Yeah. Right, and I know they're favored against Miami this week, and I think it's like they're favored by. That's only by default. They're by three points. Yeah, it's because they're the home team. But after yeah. that, but after that, I can't see them winning another game or having the shot to. They've got the 49ers, Minnesota Vikings, Buffalo Bills by week and week ten, and then they got the Jets, Lions, Panthers, Packers, Eagles, Giants, and Dallas to close out the year. Washington is just. A big question mark. No, it's that's, it's that's the only way you can describe it. I think question mark is putting it nicely. I mean, we talk about you know, and we crush Miami week on week out on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. to to say that you know Washington's just a question mark, I think, is a disservice to the Dolphins because Miami is as much of a, a poorly ran team right now as there is. Right. I, I mean I, disarray. I, I agree with you on that standpoint. but There's disarray, but it's not disarray to the point where you don't know who you're going to put in at quarterback each week. That, like, oh, I'll make, you know, we're, you know, of course, uh, the head coach there before he got fired and everything was the reporters were asking, oh, who are you going to put in for a uh, quarterback this Sunday? He goes, oh, I don't know. Maybe you'll find out at 1 o'clock. Well, I mean, they didn't know who they were going to put in till, uh, till 
they cleared uh, Colt McCoy yeah. right. and played him and announced him on Friday. And that's what they have to realize is that the image they're presenting is they have no idea what they're doing. Right. They and that, that's yeah. what's coming across loud and clear. Yeah. They're, they're a 16-year-old with you know a Lamborghini who doesn't know how to drive. And Callahan right now is put in a position that is tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he, I do not he envy has that man. zero chance at retaining this job. Oh, yeah. and he knows it, but just to get that experience, I mean, anybody well, would jump on that. The, the Bill Callahan, like, yeah. I mean, he's been a head coach before. I mean, right, but sure. he's had but, his run. But, sure. but he hasn't been a head coach in a while. Right, right. But, I mean, this performance, though, I mean, uh, the, his best thing would be to put Dwayne Haskins in and just let him sink or swim. And if he can develop him and win or steal a couple games, then a team might look at him and say, hey, look, we can trust him with our young quarterback and develop him. Mm. But they're not going to play. I mean, for whatever reason, they're, they're steadfast on not thinking Dwayne Haskins is ready, and they're not going to play him, which is a mistake. Right, because it just goes back to the uncertainty that is the culture in Washington. Right. I think Miami is more dysfunctional because they've been more public about it. But the image that we've seen with Washington is they're they don't know that they're dysfunctional, right? Like they're they're, they're in denial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like that one meme when um, somebody's sitting in the house on fire and they're this just going, all, "Yeah, this is fine." Yeah, that is how you describe the Redskins right now. Or it's or it's the one with the dog at the computer. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, but this is what they're doing, and they can't fix it. And I don't see it no. getting fixed this year. I mean, we might have the chance to see two teams go winless. Yeah, a very, very yes. Solid. Because well, I, I, I mean, mean no, 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 no. I'm saying this could be a tie. <laughs> I'm going oh with a tie oh for that. God, could oh you God. imagine zero zero? Yeah, Boy. at the end of overtime. Yeah. I'm expecting some nonsense like that, just <laughs> because both these teams are that bad. You know, honestly, both Boy. defenses are pretty serviceable. That I mean, the offenses might not be able to score. That's what I'm saying. You're going to go to the worst game of the season. <laughs> I pity anybody. Oh that goes my god! Going, that you, this is like if your game is circled on the calendar for this. I'm so sorry. It's like I really am one team that like can get a punt return and get it or get like a key interception within like the thirty and can kick a field goal. Mm. Like this honestly could be like a three nothing six three game. Yeah, and I mean the Patriots are the Patriots. What, what yeah, can you say? They're going to the Super Bowl, Pad. All right, just like glow. You, you said it now. Yeah, me. get smile all you want. Oh, oh no, trust me. I know all our listeners out there that are Patriots. So fans, depressing. So wizard, wonderful. Pad, are all just you know. What are you going to say about them that you can't say? They came in there, they did their job, and now on to the next one. And that's Nothing all they do. That's all they ever do. On the Thursday against the New York Football Giants. Yes. Yeah, whatever. Those New York Football Giants, which coach? I, why, do you want me to take this for you or no? No, I mean, let, let me read the stats before. Go you, ahead, you, go you ahead, give us that. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, of course, won the game twenty-eight to ten. Kirk Cousins, twenty-two of twenty-seven for three hundred six, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Daniel Jones, uh, twenty-one of thirty-eight for one hundred and eighty-two yards, one touchdown, one interception. Well, d- give Dalvin Cook's line because that was a great day. Dalvin Cook, of course, uh, twenty-one carries for one hundred and thirty-two yards, no <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, so I watched the game start to finish. Naturally, so I, and, I, I did too. Yeah, and I'll just tell you. I mean, listen, the Giants right now defensively are a college team at best and it's a sub college like it's uh you know like uh not even a pac 12 team they're like a mountain west team defensively uh jabril peppers played very well and probably the only shining star on the defense but you know ultimately minnesota took advantage of the fact that the giants had um third and fourth string linebackers in and they kept running play action that the giants kept biting on and they would bring up the linebackers and the safeties. And, you know, Adam Thielen obviously was able to capitalize on that with a 
two touchdowns. Yeah, mm. no, and, and you bring up the defense. I mean, the, the Minnesota Vikings were one first down, split it one way or the other, uh, from being f- 500 yards of total offense. Yeah, I mean, it, and listen, uh, offensively, the Giants <clears throat> could only do so much. I mean, um, Wayne Galeman went down at yeah. like the first three three minutes of the game, and I mean this goes on Gettleman, who I will never ever not crush for not going out and getting another running back. Right, I, I know that was biting him at one point in the game because I was I was listening to it while I was watching the game, and, and of course Saquon Barkley's down. down yep. Galeman goes down, and then their thir- you know their third guy was looking a little maybe shaky, and they're like, God forbid if he goes down because then they might have to turn to their fullback for full for running back duties. Well, they did. They ran Penny at fullback or at tailback, who was a fullback. Um, you know, I mean, whatever, you know, you dive left, you dive right, you know, you can run the ball in any position, but ultimately, you know, he's not going to break away. You know, he's not Mike Allstott type fullback where you have breakaway speed for being that size. Yeah. I mean, you're not, he's just not, Penny's not that kind of fullback. So it's like, you know, with Wayne Gelman going down and I'm not saying that that's the reason why the Giants only put up 10 points. I'm just saying that didn't help, you know, and then Golden Tate, I don't even know. I, I, Whatever he was doing out there, he didn't need to be out there doing it because he was non-existent at best. Uh, targeted six times, caught three of them for 13 yards. Killer. What a great performance. It's a great out fantasy stats. Yeah, great fantasy stats there. Uh, yeah, well, and again, this just goes back to when they signed Golden Tate. It's like Sterling Shepard's already playing the slot position, so what is Golden Tate doing? How many slot receivers do you need? You know, I mean... I, but anyway, I digress. Uh, Minnesota, though, this was a great win for them. I really thought the Giants were going to be able to put, put at least a, their best foot forward, not realizing that that defense is as bad as it was and uh, how good the Minnesota defense came out and played because they played stellar. Yeah. The one thing that Minnesota finally figured out is how to get Kurt Cousins motivated. Mm-hmm. Let us flash back to Washington <laughs> and the whole, you like that? <laughs> Why you like that? Yeah, when he started playing, what was the catalyst for that? He was getting called out by his teammates. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So then he goes to Minnesota and gets paid. Can we call it? Can, let's call it apologize gate. Yeah. Ah, I like that. <laughs> Hashtag that up. So he goes to or he goes to Minnesota, gets ninety million straight out the gate, guaranteed. Yep. All right. If you're getting paid ninety million, I'm sure your your heart's into the game, but. Let's face it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm sad. I mean, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, we're having the wide receivers call out the quarterback. Diggs. Diggs. Thielen. Thielen. Re- Diggs really bad. Diggs oh, yeah. was public. Thielen was at least behind closed doors. Right. And then suddenly, what do we have? Kirk Cousins. On, well, on Thursday, on his podcast, yeah. apologized to his wide receivers, which is crazy to me that a grown man would go on a podcast to say i'm sorry but yeah. okay i mean behind closed doors listen own up to it but like listen i'm playing like sure sh- i'm playing like shit you know it's on me i'm gonna improve and i'm gonna get better that i get yeah but going out publicly apo- you know publicly apologizing yeah i Be- don't know because with all the trade talk that was rumored about Stephen Diggs yeah going somewhere new england probably that it was going to be one of those situations <laughs> That I'll take that. Cousins decided to address it, but they finally awoken what they signed, and well, that is the quarterback that you like that because he finally showed up. This is the first time we've seen him all season. All right, well let's let, let's simmer down before we say he has arrived. All right, no, no, because no, I'm, not, I'm not saying yeah. Daniel Jones arrived. Right, well that you can't because yes. that's there's only he's one made, Messiah. There's only made, one Messiah. He's made but, appearance. but yeah, but I mean, I think it was more so they finally were able to get a. An offensive um, 
uh, in place, an offensive system in place that was able to breed success for him because, again, like I said, they ran so many times with Dalvin Cook to open the game that the Giants were so aware and so key on stopping Dalvin Cook because especially when you watch the Bears game, I mean, it was literally the Dalvin Cook show. Oh, yeah, So absolutely. the Giants defensively were like, all right, we've got a key on Dalvin Cook. So every time they ran play action, they were throwing it and they were open because mm. everybody was committed to the run for the Giants. Mm. And... I mean, even if their starting linebackers were in, I still think that Minnesota probably would have, you know, they would have won this game. It wouldn't have been a, uh, you know, an 18 point difference. But again, I think that Minnesota did what they needed to do going into the game against Philly. Yeah. Because they needed this win to go into Philadelphia, playing Philadelphia at home. Because again, there was another stat that Kirk Cousins against uh, sub 500 teams is like. 28 and 4 or yeah, something like that. It's something ridiculous, outrageous. It's ridiculous. And then against winning teams, he's like 212 and 2. Yeah, hmm. because he struggles with it because yeah. he's finding the motivation. So I think that this win, you know, going against the, oh, I mean, let's face the Giants were riding a hot wave right now. There was a lot of, you know, honeymoon phase with Daniel yeah. Jones. Yeah. That them coming out and putting, you know, stomping on their throats and then closing out the game the way that they did. Definitely sends a message to Philadelphia that hey, we're ready for you at home. I was say, don't sleep on us. Yeah, exactly. No, you can't sleep on them, and especially for Minnesota to face Philly. I, I mean, it is a big game for them. Yeah, and they needed to say that hey, we're going to hang with you because if Minnesota had lost this game, and then let's say they face Philly and they lose, right now you're staring. Now you're two and five. Yeah, right. And then they got Detroit after that. Redskins, Kansas City, Dallas, Denver, and then a bye week. Yeah. So and, with the exception of the Redskins, everybody else is and tough. two and five is not easy. It's just probably as bad as coming back from his zero and four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they salvaged their season. They did what they needed to do. The Giants took the L on this one, but they have enough, you know, faith in Daniel Jones to get the ball rolling again. Yeah. I mean. I, I saw a lot of people like you know that were mad at this performance, but it's like if you really thought that the Giants with switching Dan Jones were going to make the playoffs, you are you are high. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. I mean, this team had no chance at making the playoffs, whether or not you know whoever was the starting quarterback. They might have had a chance at playing spoiler and messing up some yeah. stuff at the end of the year. Oh, but, for sure, but they definitely. Well, they still can. Oh yeah, they still can play spoiler. I just think that you know, given the the lack of depth. The injuries that are just plaguing this team right now. I mean, you're looking at Thursday night going into playing New England. Mm-hmm. They Evan Ingram is questionable. Yep. Um, uh, Saquon Barkley is doubtful. Sterling Shepard just got another concussion. Yep. So he is out indefinitely, which, yep. I mean, I hope to God that he can recover from because that is scary to have two concussions within four weeks of each other. Yeah, that's not the best that's look. That's not good at all. Uh, Wayne Gelman's out, I believe, as yeah. of right now. Yeah. And then, you know, you still linebacker-wise, you know, none of those guys are coming back because they all had major injuries. So you're literally going into a game with, I mean, five of, you know, your top-tier players out. Let me And let me put it to you this way. You're going into a game with a rookie quarterback, and we know Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks, without your starting running back, without a tight end, without your backup running back. And, and without, without your starting wide receiver. Without your starting wide receiver against a defense that's allowed two touchdowns in five games. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm Bill Belichick, I am scheming to go right at Nate Soldier because, <laughs> my God, has he been 
awful. Could have told you that when he was uh, left New England. Bro, I can't even go into explaining how this guy is paid the money that he is paid. At least Eli is serviceable on the bench by tutoring Daniel Jones for how much he's getting paid. Nate Soldier is basically... There was a play where the Minnesota line, uh, defensive end spun Nate Soldier around. You're talking about you're, you're getting a rusher, a pass rusher, who's hitting you and you're spinning around. Yeah. Not the pass rusher. You are getting the spin move because he shook you yeah. and then boom, you know, sack on Daniel Jones. That is abysmal. And I know he came out after the game was like, oh, yeah, my performance hasn't been very good lately. I mean, I mean listen, he's good for at least two flags a game. Not, the flat, I would, Pat, I would take the flags. I would rather two holding penalties than I'd have four sacks. Yeah. He gave up four sacks. Yep. There's so many. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. It's it's definitely not the look they want to do, especially going against the Patriots coming. My God, that is your starting left tackle giving up that many sacks. J.J. Watt doesn't feast on poor right guards as much as all the uh, right ends feast on Nate Soldier. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying that I could probably get a sack on the man. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Put me down as a two-point stand rusher and let me go because I bet you that I could at least maybe not get ten sacks, but I might get one or two. It could happen. I mean, we'll have to just wait to see what happens Thursday. Listen, and I'm I'm... I know I'm sounding like that guy right now, but it is frustrating when you are watching this game and you're like, this is your starting left tackle who is getting spun around. And go look for the highlight because it is, I mean, and then you look at like Quentin Nelson and you look what he does. What? You know, you can play left tackle and still be good, but not him apparently because it's bad. It's bad, but going into Thursday when the new week starts. who's, who's, Who's rushes on the right end for the Patriots? Uh, I couldn't even tell you offhand. I mean, I will tell you right now, you will know his name come Friday morning. Yes, so when the new week starts, we're definitely going to have to check that out. There's so much action going on for the NFL. We're going to have to take a quick break and come back into it a little later, but we have to talk some wrestling when we come back. Uh-huh. So definitely wrestling. hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in that conversation. What was your thoughts about this past week of the NFL? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleeks. And this is Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. So tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another low-down, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. Find us on your favorite podcast player or on Twitter at Book of Lies pod, on Instagram at Book of Lies podcast, and on Facebook at Book of Lies Podcast. And if you want to send us an email, send us one at Book of Lies Podcast at gmail.com. Okay? Bye bye. Hey, this is Vince, the Calaman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast.
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the OTPH podcast. And like I said, we got to talk a little bit of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Time to run the ropes, give you our wrestling recap. And there was a lot that has happened since last episode. Yes. You don't say. Yeah, we finally had the AEW Dynamite debut, mm-hmm. if you can call it that. It was something. It was something. I mean, it was a debu- debut. Yeah. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a series premiere. <laughs> the biggest argument I got with this mm-hmm. is obviously AEW, long time buildup. They've been talking about Elite Wrestling, Young Bucks, Cody, Kenny Omega, and they've been finally saying, okay, we're going to make it on TV and we're going to have the best wrestling going on. All of you know cable network and what such, and the big promotion finally got its debut on TNT. WWE was putting NXT up against it that night, and when we finally get the product, the production issues did not go away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely drove me nuts that we had you know camera angles not filming the right people at the right time, the right spots. Uh, instantly doing the recap of the match I yeah. just saw yeah. in detail. Yeah, unnecessary. JR. Jim Ross is just not the guy right now. I mean, even from even from just strictly a you know number of matches standpoint, you know NXT beat him. And now I'm not counting the dark matches, but uh, this according to ProFightDB.com, AEW number one, and just counting the number of matches that were televised. Uh, you had Cody Rhodes defeat Sammy Guevara, Ugh. MJF defeat Brandon Cutler, bad. So, so that's two. That was bad. Pac defeated Ad, uh, Adam Page. That's three, which was a, a solid match, an odd. Ending, but yeah, solid very, match. very odd ending. Uh, that one, and then you had Riho defeat Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship, uh, which ended up being longest match of the night. Solid, yeah, very, very Not, solid. Didn't do anything for me, right. but good. You know, they both women put on a good match. So we're up to four, and then you had the, your main event, which was Chris Jericho and Ortiz and Santana defeated Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, aka the Elite, uh, for match number five. Tele- Dud televised. Uh, on the flip side for NXT, you had eight matches. Right. You you had them do basically a takeover card on USA. Or excuse me, uh, five matches. Uh, two of them were dark matches. Right. But which which were no math. Six matches televised. Two there were two additional ones that weren't televised. So. Right. But it's still the end result was you had a takeover on right. USA Network. Right. It, you had a takeover on USA Network, and I know when we were down in the city, we had. Uh, AEW on the television and I was watching NXT on my phone and just from a strict like wrestling not as much behind the scenes you know off off out of the ring nonsense NXT was doing way more they had to my recollection outside of showing people who were in the crowd which to be expected it was a takeover on TV folks you know they had one segment that I can remember of one or two segments that I can remember of offhand that was like okay we're showing the the announcers and they're talking but it was real brief and real short. There were so many segments with AEW that's like all right we're stopping the match and we're doing all this other stuff. Well, they decided to just go in there and with Cody and Sammy Guevara it it was a match. I thought <laughs> Sammy got I don't want to say he got buried, but I like I didn't see enough of his offense to really take it home. Right, and I mean, like for because I mean I've seen him wrestle before and I've seen him tear the house down at Wrestle Circus and Lucha, mm-hmm. and to see him on here it was like, well, let's just put Cody over who had like the most pay per view entrance for TV that I've ever yeah. seen. I sometimes I I kind of like I so I watched you know that the intro, and sometimes I just I wondered myself. Like, did Cody just do this to get himself over? Yeah. There are times I, I mean, wonder. There's really, I mean, honest to God, there's just like moments where I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
you know, with everything that you were doing in New Japan and ROH and all that and, you know, touring and doing the indies and everything, and I know he's an outstanding, you know, individual in person. It's just like there's moments where I watch the presentation, I watch the shows, and I, I see, you know, obviously the booking and everything, and I'm just like, why? Like, what are you, are you really just doing this right now because you weren't used the way that you felt like you should be used, so you pitched this idea and got yourself over. I, I think it's like I know kind of said this and others have said this and it took I admittedly it took me till, you know, the AEW Dynamite number one show to kind of come agree with you and come to the conclusion. There's no stopgap in that company like a Vince McMahon, like a you know, okay, the wrestlers have a, an idea and it might be a great idea. It might be the greatest idea in the world, but they pitch the idea to Vince and Vince for whatever reason, good, bad or otherwise goes, yeah, we should do it. No, nah, we shouldn't. Or, you know what? Let's hold off on that and put it down the road. You know, thinking of the company and everything else, these guys, it's just like, Oh, Hey, let's do this. All right. Let's just go ahead and do it. Cause I mean, to your point, And I mean, listen, I'm not, I've not been since I've watched AW. I didn't see Guevara outside of it. Not impressed at all. No. So then I go into this match and I see the results and I'm like, yeah, it was a, it was definitely you know a squash match. It, it was Cody getting over Cody, yeah. and then the entrance to boot you know with the coming up from the center stage, which he was the only person to do that. Yeah, yeah. Cody getting over Cody, and then you talk about the the closing segment with it being the elite versus this Jericho group. Oh, I, was, I, I, I have with, some opinions. With, oh, yeah, sure. With the John we'll, I mean, I'll, running. I'll get there too. I'll be. I'm on that page with you. Is Cody getting over? Cody. It's Cody getting over Cody. And I'm sorry to say it, but it's like, that's the way I see it. And, and this this card and this company, I should be excited about. I've, I've been fortunate enough to see Cody Rhodes in person. Cody Rhodes in person is an amazing wrestler. I've been fortunate to, to see MJF in person. MJF is hilarious in person. Sure. I know he's a heel, but... Damn it, he's funny. You know, I've been fortunate enough to see, you know, the Young Bucks in person. They're great wrestlers in person. I should be looking at this car going, I've seen a bunch of these guys in person. They can put on great matches. They make awesome matches. But I'm sitting here going, you know what? I gave AEW Dynamite a try. Until I see some, I hear about something else or hear about how great it's gotten, I'm NXT. See, my thing about this, and I'm just going to give kind of the speed version. The Cody match, immediately after, they replayed every single spot yeah. on the match. <laughs> yep. So it was basically deja vu. Right. And then he gets jumped by Chris Jericho. And then we go and do the split screen, which he's getting his ass kicked the entire time, but you can't see nothing because of the production. And then when they come out of this, Jericho's in the ring doing his thing. Yep. And you're like, wait, what did I just see? Because the pacing on this was wrong. The production... Like I said, just bad camera angles. I was talking with Lou from Pina Comics, who actually has a new blog out on Pina Comics. Uh, you definitely need to go check out. And he was echoing on the same point. It was the production on this is just not up to snuff compared to the WWE. Like you can complain about WWE all you want, but at least they put on a show. This felt like somebody was just trying to piece it together for a class and they're watching an indie show. And take nothing away from the action in the ring. Everybody there that's in AEW can go. Sure. Yeah. Everybody can. The only question I would have was Brandon Cutler, I haven't seen enough about, and he looked very nervous. Yes. Being in the ring with MJF. I well, would say that's yeah. probably the worst match of the night. I'll say I saw him on the Amazon show. And, mm -hmm. I mean, that was the run for an ROH TV title shot. And, I mean, I, I only saw him. I think he only won, you know, worked one match. Right. And, I mean, yeah, the background story that he, you know, was coming up with the box and then had a family, so he stepped out. I mean, all that story is cool, but it's like 
you know, you got to trust the, you know, the people that you're putting into these spots with. And then you talk about the fact that, you know, you, you have the dark matches that are going to air uh, tonight on YouTube. on YouTube. Right. And, I mean, two of those being some of the most popular stars that you have, you know, with um, the um, Jungle Boy and Jungle Lucha Boy, Dragon. Luchasaurus. The, the Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, those guys probably, and I know they're in the tag tournament, but, you know, you could have had them work an individual match and had them in this MJF spot I mean, I and put your popular people on TV. I mean, I'm looking at the results here. I won't spoil them for those who might want to watch. No, you can go spoil. Uh, so that Darby Allen defeated Seema uh, by pin. Uh, you had, And I'm just reading names. They don't list team names or anything. So you had Angelico and Jack Evans and Pentagon and Ray Phoenix defeat uh, Chuck Taylor, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, and Trent. Uh, Allie and Dr. Britt Baker, uh, DMD, defeated Bay Priestley and Penelope Ford. And then you had uh, SCU defeated Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. That's like, a better just, card than what you put on TV. Lo- just looking at it and obviously not having seen anything because dark taping. That just sounds better than what they put yeah, on television. That's what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, yeah. I, and I agree with it. And the only reason I said about spoiling is this did hit the net that ah, night. So, okay. So oh, like, okay. All right. So at least I knew about it. So yeah. if, if I spoiled it for anybody, I apologize. But either way, this was matches you should have had on your card. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. for your debut to the mainstream audience, you should have had some of these wrestlers on there. You should right. you should have made it like NXT did. NXT made it a takeover. You should have made it a pay-per-view quality show with Facts. in terms of the caliber of talent you had facing each other. You should have had a maybe a triple threat with like SCU, you know, uh Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus against uh you know uh, Pentagon and and Ray Phoenix. You I mean, you could have mixed and matched the the parts, but the end of the day is for the card they decided to debut was all the elite guys. Right. Yeah. And you had everybody else that's your mid-card that you're trying to build storylines around. The Yeah, the elite guys with the Moxley running because, well, he got hurt. Oh, oh let me. Like, yeah, we'll get into that. Oh, I'm going to get into that. Because, I mean, to me, what I'm seeing is that, you know, they, they book it the way that they were booking it. But it was like, you know, what we're saying. It should have been an NXT card going yeah. up against an NXT TakeOver yeah. card. And instead, what they did was is they hung their hats on. Everybody's going to watch us because we're debuting. We're the alternate. So we're going to put and feature our main players, but not feature any of the next tier guys. All right. Because- and they were hanging their hat on. You watch because we're advertising John Moxley. We're advertising Cody Rhodes. We're advertising Jericho and the Bucks. You'll watch because of that. And I'm... Not into that. No, it, you you will be able to answer this because, as I've said before, I didn't watch much wrestling back when in the Monday Night Wars. Sure, is this in the way because Coach bringing this up only made it occur to me. Is this kind of how WCW did things back in the day? With hey, we have Hulk Hogan. Hey, we have Randy Savage. Hey, we have all these other guys that used to be famous with WWE. Come watch us. No, no, hey. they they would flash book. Yep, and they book pay per view level matches and give them for away for free on Raw. But at the same time, though... Or Nitro, you mean? Not Nitro, right, right, right. Against Raw. But at the same time, though, they at least, you know, had the... the they, had, um, they had the structure in place. They had the luchas that would come in and and start the shows hot, and that would captivate you and keep you in because you would want it, you would stay okay. on that program. Right. The structure was in place that the people that were running WCW at the time when they decided to go Monday Nitro had the formula set up. They had a real wrestling card that flowed. Right, and it, was, it would start hot, Yep. maintain, Yep. maybe a down segment here, and then end something hot with the NWO. Right. They had the formula down pat. 
This is the problem you have when you have half your roster is an executive vice president. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that means. Yes, because everybody has ideas and everybody's doing them at the same time. And there's not somebody like a Vince McMahon to step in and say, yeah, let's run with this. No, let's not run with this. Everybody is not on the same page, and it completely looked it. And, and, uh, and not, e- not even events, but a hunter because right, you exactly. Know, you, you've heard story. We've heard stories from wrestlers both in WWE and out who've left WWE that you know if Vince isn't there and Hunter's the one running things that week, you know you can run to Hunter who apparently and I can't say apparently because I've never met the man. I I don't know what it's like to interact with him. Is apparently very approachable when it comes to like coming approaching him with ideas when you're on main roster, and he might love the idea and think it's the greatest idea he's ever heard. But at the same time, if it's not the smartest idea, he'll be honest with you. And, and that's the problem they don't have at AEW. Well, Nobody's willing to be honest with you. Because what I was going to say is NXT was blocked flawlessly. Oh, oh NXT, well, you was, knew. Ooh, I mean, you knew start they were to finish, Man. come out the gate with the NXT Championship match. Yeah, and the way that that ended, then the the middle segments, the women's match, the tag match, and then you know, ending, uh, you know, with uh, Tomas Ciampa coming out, yeah, booked so well. Now you've got three, four guys potential title contenders, right? Um, you know, so yeah, course, Finn flawless flow. But the thing you have to remember with NXT, and I will say this, they've had these stars set up. Sure, they've they've had this product established. If you're looking at this as a brand new product, and that's what I'm looking at AEW, and this is why I'm so critical because. Contrary to popular belief, I want to see them succeed. Oh, yeah. But the problem is you haven't fixed the the minor issues that are now turning into mountains. Your production work is awful. Yeah. Your pacing is completely all over the place. Like, take, for example, they had a skit with Kevin Smith and uh, Jay. Oh, yeah. And that was uncomfortable. So right. weird. Because- it reeked of, like shameless plugging or getting the shameless well, plug it was and shameless I, plugging and i had to and i and it got to the point that i'm like wait a minute is the comp is the movie studio that's putting this movie out owned by turner or warner media like how is this work like why are we doing this but the problem was then you had jack evans and angelico come out and apparently now they're heels yeah because we have not established storylines well, i thought they were from what i had saw but well no, like but, but then the and then the and then the uh the party yeah, private party. Private came party out. came out awkwardly, yeah. like out of nowhere, and handed them their drinks, and it was like, "What?" Yeah, well, that, well, that's like, what I said. Like, like I, weird. I was, was kind of lost on it because, I mean, from the previous shows, I have not been able to tell really who's a face and a heel, except for the Dark Order, is, or as they're better known as Super Smash Brothers, which that's what they should be. But that's all this discussion. But as we get to the main event, because, like I said, they, they yeah, let's great. let's go in right yeah, now. They, let's cause, go because let's face it, like Pac and. Uh, Adam Page, good match, weird yeah. ending. Very the, odd. Thought that Page would probably go over, considering that they were, you know, he was just in the world title picture. But hey, whatever you want to yeah. go with Pac, go with Pac. Rio and Nyla Rose, good match, probably yeah. the best match on the card. Probably, I, I, I will say, say so. And just a weird ending with Kenny Omega making the save and staring off with Nyla Rose. So weird. Yeah, even though Rio is now the the first women's champion of AEW, so congratulations there. But the main event, okay, we started this at nine forty. Okay, uh-huh. show was supposed to end at ten. Hard, so, hard cut at ten. Yes. The reveal of Chris Jericho's partners was done the day before on Twitter. For no reason. For no reason. So instead of building the suspense, even though we all thought it was going to be Santana Ortiz, but still, if you want to throw a curveball and do something really creative with it, you close that door a day early. And then you get to the match, 
and not even like five minutes in, John Moxley shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, which they tease his appearance, he was going to show up, right? And then he goes and has that weird fight with Kenny Omega, putting him through a glass table out the VIP, the VIP area. Yeah, the, yeah, that they had. To, oh, we didn't even know we had a VIP area. Like, yeah, yeah. And the announcer seemed as lost as we were watching. Right. So then you go back into the ring. And then, and now you got a two-on-three handicap match, basically. Yeah, which is, I mean, nothing against the workers in the ring, but it was just messy all over the place. Yep. Right. Then, yeah, because like after Moxley attacked Kenny Omega, I think half of them were like, "All right, is the match over? Is this a DQ? Like, what's going on?" And then they just like they were literally just standing there. And I know when Ken, when we were watching, we we're like, "Oh, that's a DQ." And I'm like, "And you said, oh, that's a DQ." And there was a moment where like they didn't know what they were doing with the camera shot, but it like quickly cut to the hard cam shot and then cut to something else and i'm like no the match isn't over they're still going and the refs in the ring yeah it just made no sense and once again production and pacing right been saying this all episode yeah and moxley just i mean the 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 story with omega and him i just i don't care for i mean they missed the boat when moxley got hurt to me yeah unfortunately i just that's the way that i feel um so like it just didn't land for me the attack and then the match suffered because, you know, you lost the key player in the match. Yeah, it's just turned into just a big cluster mess, yep. mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Yeah. And then you're ending. Oh, let's and, go. And your great reveal was Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger from the WWE, yep. coming in and wrecking shop. And the billing they were trying to make him of undefeated MMA superstar. Which he's had what, two fights, one fight? He's had two fights for Bellator against guys that just are not that high in the rankings. Hey, you know what? If he, we're, if, hey, you know what? If we're going by that logic, I'm undefeated in the UFC. Well, yeah. Here's my problem with this: not just not that Hager came out, that it was Guevara came out, Hager came out, and Goldust came out. Yeah, you know, yeah. Cody Dust, came out. Cody came out. So it was yeah Jericho camp versus the Elite camp, and I just I'm not here for that. Like, I don't, if, again, and this goes back to the Cody putting Cody over thing, because now this is the elite putting the elite over, you know, booking yourselves. And then, uh, you know, this tandem, I, I don't want to see, you know, uh, a faction form just for the sake of having a faction, right? which is what this feels like with the fact, because the elite were doing their own thing. And it was perfect. You know, the Bucks were doing their own thing. Omega had his own storyline. You know, Cody has his thing going mm. on. But, you know, obviously if you want to book them in a triple threat match, you can. And that works. But then just to form, like, the heel faction and oddly place them just because Guevara had a match with Cody earlier in the night and now Hager comes out out of nowhere to attack them for no real reason and help Jericho while Jericho's the champion... Like, it wasn't built like Hager was the bodyguard. It wasn't built like Hager had problems with Cody, so now he's coming here to take him out. It wasn't built as any of that. It was just randomly booked to yeah. fill a need yeah. to spark something because the show was flat. Right, and it's been, I mean, it's been how many years since Hager was in on WWE television, so it's its not even like, oh, my God, and he's he here, was, look and, who it is. And he was a chump when he left. Yeah. So what? So what? Okay, yeah, he's two and zero in the you know Bellator, but my last image of him is looking up at the lights. Getting pinned because mm-hmm. he was a chump. 
and then we fall to the the, the last camera shot. Which the whole crowd is chanting, we the people. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, yeah, that was real bad. Yeah. Because that's, you know, you talk about WWE, you know, stuff. And then the the slam on the box. Yeah. What was that? That yeah. made no sense. And then Where the, did the box even come from? Like, I was watching it, you know, and I'm, all right, I'm playing with my kids, so I'm not like 100% dialed in. But, you know, my three-year-old likes to watch wrestling, so I figured, all right, I'll throw it on to watch it with him. And then all of a sudden, I saw the box come in the ring, and I'm like, Why? Yeah. What was yeah. that even in there for? It was just random, and then the, the weird close-up of Jake Hager at the end. Not the group. No. Not what they did. No. Just him. I just thought, this is your lasting shot of your first episode? Yeah, yeah not the is, champion. Not the champion. Standing not the tall, group. Not the group. Not explaining yeah. the story. You not just e- have not, a guy. Even, not even a wide shot of like them standing on the four corners of the ring, standing triumphant, like, ah, we won. Like yeah. That would have made sense. I'd it would have like, made I, sense. I'd be but... like, all right. But yeah, this just was from top to bottom, just all over the place on production. And I know on Twitter, everybody was anointing this as oh, the, the greatest show ever. And oh, I'm and, sorry. And I get the ratings were bigger than NXT. That was to be expected. That was to be right. expected. Give it a month. Give it two months. We'll, and now this isn't me Let trying me to see de- two months. This isn't me trying to defend NXT. This Ugh. is just this is just the person who, for a couple of years, was very interested in TV ratings. Give it a couple of months. See where things shake out. Because yes, the first. TV episode of the company of the new company that's hot on the internet is going to be a massive debut, but we'll see where things go. Dude, it was brutal. It 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 really was. I I am sorry. I am not going to go out of my way to catch AEW. Neither am I. Unless something is a match that is billed as something that I want to see. Unless I start hearing like for a couple weeks in a row, somebody coming up to me like, "No, listen, you got you got to check out AEW. They've been they've been hot the last couple weeks." Yeah, if I got no reason, un- to. or unless I hear you know Orange Cassidy shows up personally, yeah. I'm gonna dive into NXT. I I think that the show felt flat. I think that you know these guys, while they put on great matches, I think it doesn't make for you know Monday you know everyday television. I'm sorry, I just. I, I want it to succeed, and I think it's good that WWE has something to push them. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's not the, you know, what they need. You know, it's not they they, they again they should have gone away from trying to build build themselves up versus WWE and just said, hey, we're an alternative product. If you want to come watch our show, great. If you want to watch WWE, great. But you know what, wrestling's on TV, and let's celebrate. Yeah, this was the whole culmination of what AEW wanted to do and I'm sorry just it fell flat and like I say I keep harping about it but it's the it's the same reasons your production quality wasn't there your in-ring work was good not great not elite and just your side stories to build your new federation to new fans just didn't work your pacing was awful and I'm sorry you have not shown any indication this is going to get fixed. Like, I'm going to give AEW another shot. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm going to be the one member of the panel here that is watching this week because I want to see that maybe they learned something or if it's much more of the same, I'm going to get on Twitter and I'll voice my opinion. And I welcome anybody to voice theirs as well because we are all fans. We right. want to see this succeed. We want to see that healthy competition because WWE, they rose to the occasion. NXT, quick bullet points. Yeah. Flawless. 
Finn Balor. Fantastic. Finn Balor came back. Tommaso Ciampa came back. You had uh, Adam Cole retain the NXT Championship. In a great match against Great Riddle. match. Great match. Uh, Io Shirai defeated Mia Yim. Johnny Gargano defeated Shane Thorne. Shayna Baszler defeated Candice LeRae to retain the NXT Women's title. Pete Dunne defeated Danny Burch. And then you had Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly uh, retain their NXT Tag Team titles against Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. And a great match. That wasn't overbooked. Yeah. No. It wasn't overbooked. They, they did what they needed to do, and they got out. But AEW is not as seasoned as NXT, and we have to take that with a grain of salt. The problem is that they're pacing. Somebody by now needs to step up. I don't care who it is that's an executive vice president. Well, they prompt all these guys as being head coaches and associate yeah. head coaches and you know this, that, and the third. And it's like... You know, you've got Arn Anderson back there. You've got all these guys that are veterans of you know TV who have been bookers, yeah, or at least had the pat you know had the book before in the past. It's like why not lean on them for their expertise, even though you know they might have been outside of wrestling since the early '90s. You know, as far as being big players, it doesn't they, matter. They, they still know their stuff. Meanwhile, on the other side with NXT. You can't speak again uh, how amazing that show was. I mean, the match that Riddle and Adam Cole had Whoa. might not be a four-star match, but, I mean, it was very well executed. It was a great open. The, the ending with Balor coming in, you know, the quick mic work, boom, the stare down, the exit, fantastic, not overly done, not overly, you know, no, fantasized, just had to. straight to the point. Then you got the women's match. You got the Gargano match. You know he's going to do well. And everything was just laid out and timing wise worked. The oddest, the only thing that was weird to me was Ciampa coming out at the end. Yeah. And the only reason why it was weird was because you just had Finn Balor yeah. in the first segment literally do the same thing after his match. That's the only thing that was like, okay, maybe you could have held uh, Ciampa out for another week, but. You know, whatever. It worked. My reasoning is going to lead us into we're going to take a quick break, but what we're going to come back to, and that is how Friday Night SmackDown happened, and it's all building into the draft that's coming up this week. Fair. Because I think the Finn appearance was to tease, not to set up. Oh. And I think he was there for a rating shot more than an actual feud. Okay. But we're going to have to get a quick break in because we definitely are. I like the, how the wrestling conversation is going, so we're going to carry it through. We've been hearing a lot of positive feedback on our social media accounts about it, so we're going to keep it rolling. Definitely hit us up, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on AEW's Dynamite debut episode? A lot of discussion about this on the net. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? want to have that conversation with you. OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find the links there. Let's get a quick break in. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for another segment of Wrestling Talk here on the ODPH podcast, and we recapped AEW versus NXT, and we gave our thoughts, but there was a lot more WWE action going on this past mm-hmm. weekend. Friday Night SmackDown. Debuted on Fox. Yeah. The Rock. The Rock came back, had an awesome segment with Becky Lynch. Vintage Rock. Yeah, which, I mean, he's always going to be. You give him a microphone, and Uh he's going to run with it. It doesn't matter how long he's been gone. It's like he didn't miss a step. Not at all. I mean, seeing the people's elbow and all that, you know, that was was awesome. They they booked that whole show right. Right. To come back. Yeah. And the only other takeaway from this, because, I mean, we can go in a full recap, but uh, maybe we'll just throw up a blog for that. Sure. The biggest moment, though which I was shocked at seeing, and we mentioned this on the show, uh-huh. the fact that AEW didn't lock this gentleman up 
but now apparently he is WWE bound. Well, they didn't. They, nothing signed. Yeah, nothing, nothing signed, signed yet. But there's no way they would show him on TV <laughs> unless they knew yeah. something was coming. Unless Fox was like, "You need to get this man." Yes, is Kane Velasquez, mm-hmm. former UFC heavyweight champion. One of the baddest men on the planet. Premier luchadors in the world right now. And from what I read today, it sounds like, you know, he's done with UFC because the thing I read is he's off the rankings for UFC and he's he's out of testing for USA. Oh, that's huge. So he's definitely going the full-time wrestler route. And, of course, he showed up after Brock Lesnar defeated Kofi Kingston in 10 seconds. Yes, which Kofi Mania is over. Rest in peace, Kofi Mania. I mean, it, which is it, whatever. It, it ran its course. Yeah, and, and the only thing they ran its course, but at the same time, I don't think they should have done him dirty in a ten-second match. No, they shouldn't. Like have. I get, I get, Kofi leg- realistically shouldn't last, you know, ten minutes against Brock Lesnar, but give the man like five minutes. They like, need, they needed to something. do something different, but you know what? You have to give credit to Kofi what he did with the title, and he ran with it. You know, yeah. perfect place, perfect time. And he has that WrestleMania moment that can never be taken away. That's this is true. So you can't be arguing too much about that. But no. when you get Brock in the middle of the ring, and obviously Fox wanted him on SmackDown. Sure. Yeah. So it made sense to put him on there. But seeing Kane come out, and we heard the rumor of that was the whole reason that Brock beat up Rey Mysterio. And right. that was going to segue into bringing Kane in. And Kane, hey, it worked. Like, <laughs> listen, I don't care if Kane has one leg because he's bandaged up because his, his other one is still screwed up. If you have never seen the original fight, and note I said this, fight, not match, fight between Kane Velasquez and Brock Lesnar in the UFC. Kane put an ass whooping on him mm-hmm. legitimately. Uh-huh. And Brock does not like getting hit in the face. Because this is when Brock was, of course, UFC heavyweight championship, and there was this aura and mystique about him, and in came Kane, Kane who didn't give a you-know-what and ran through him. Yeah, Kane is one of the baddest men on the planet. And let's just talk about you know the, the fact that he was down in Mexico Putting yeah. on just clinics. Yeah. Uh, some of these veteran wrestlers uh, that were down there. I and, mean, and the impre- highlights are amazing. Yeah. And impressing, you know, Cody Rhodes and the Bucks, who they've been around a while. They've, they've seen their fair share of wrestlers. It says something when you come in and you're relatively new to professional wrestling and you're impressing, you know, seasoned veterans. Well, the question you have to ask is when Kane was on the same shows with him in AAA down in Mexico. Right. If Cody and the Bucks and Kenny are down there, how do you let him leave yeah. without locking him up with a contract? My thing is, my only guess is they couldn't compete with money. No, uh, no. With, with Tony Khan bankrolling that thing, I, I... I mean, I I think that it was more than just Vince, though, doing this. Yeah. I bet you that was a little bit of Fox negotiation because, pr- I mean, for him to show up uncontracted on, you know, that premiere show that Fox was heavily weighing in on mm. goes to i think that was more than the powers well, to be and, than and anything I can, else and i can imagine maybe paul Heyman had something to do with that i think maybe paul Heyman had something but i will say daniel cormier had more yeah okay because cormier has been rumored to be heading over for commentary as soon as he's done with the miosic fight coming yeah I, yep. yeah that could be which that makes a lot of sense they're best friends hey i you know what and i'm all for everything involving that Smack, but all smackdown is currently missing a face commentary but all in all smackdown it was a good show yeah you yeah. know it was a solidly well booked you know main roster show yeah. yeah especially heading into hell in a cell which was kind of a forgotten pay-per-view yeah it should be and it should be because we're not going to dwell too long on this but i definitely want to get the panel's opinion uh sasha banks versus becky lynch was the match of the night yes. fantastic and yes. they put on a hell of a hell in a cell match no pun intended the the chair dropkick spot was one of the most original things i've seen right they stole the damn show and they were the lead-in yeah 
So let us fast forward to the end. Yep. We had Bray Wyatt uh-huh. making his big title debut uh-huh. against Seth Rollins. Uh-huh. Thoughts around the panel on this one? Uh, I realize they want to build The Fiend up to be their next big thing, a la The Undertaker, and, and have him be their next, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say their next Undertaker, but their next featured, you know, superstar that will be seen for the next couple of decades. I mean, that's a fair thing to compare him to. Yeah, you know? they want to make him their next, you know, must-see thing for the next couple of decades because while Undertaker is one of the best of all time, he's getting up there in age. You know, he's not going to be able to do to go for much longer. I mean, father time undefeated you know but at the same time if you if you want to build him up and you don't want to have him lose don't put him in a freaking championship match they painted themselves into a corner with this where they didn't want either guy to lose and they didn't know how to get out of it no they didn't know how to get out of it and the the bait i was having and i had some great conversation obviously with lou from pine comics and the team over at ghost of the stratosphere too was did bray get buried in this because the match was a disqualification in a hell in a cell. Well, the thing reportedly today as we record is, and this hasn't been confirmed, is that both Bray and Sasha are injured. Now, to what extent? Nobody really knows, but that, that is the latest reports uh, circling the internet. Well, you kind of have to question if Bray was injured going into this because he, he hasn't, he's what, he hasn't wrestled since he's been the, the fiend? He wrestled, no, he wrestled Balor. Well, he oh, wrestled he wrestled Balor. Balor. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Well, so here's my problem. I just don't think that so, and this is what we said, and I've said this last week, and in, in about the Fiend character, the Firefly Firefly Funhouse is great. Yeah, good segment, yeah, funny. Fun. Uh, you know, insider digs, you know, fourth wall breaking, all that, very entertaining. My problem is with the translation of the Fiend in the ring. Yeah, and what his ability is able to do in the ring, because again, like you alluded to, Pat, you know they're trying to build him up to some sort of you know Undertaker mystique, and I don't think Bray knows how to translate the characters that he is in the ring. Right, and I think that that's what's leading to these issues because, I mean, if you watch the match, you saw you know Seth hitting like a, you know a, curb a stomp, dozen. curb stomp, curb stomp, and Bray just no selling, no selling, no selling. And then, you know, to end the match with a pile of, you know, debris on top of him and him whacking him, you know, it just, it it made for a very odd ending to a match where, yeah. you know, what do you do? And, and it's unfortunate for Seth because, you know, now what do you do with him? Because basically what Seth was given was the, you know, the super booking, you know, being able to defeat the monster, you know, it gets heat on him, yeah. which isn't deserved because he, what is he to do? He's put in the match and they, hey... We want you to win, Seth. You know what can he do? You know, the thing, like, and, the, and the thing that doesn't make sense to me is he beat two of arguably the strongest guys on that roster in Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. He beat Brock Lesnar twice, and you're telling me that all of a sudden the Fiend is stronger than the both of them? That that he's got to hit a dozen finishers? Well, well, that, well, that's the argument though. Is you now made him into the new Undertaker, right? And if you're going to do the supernatural route, right, right, like how do you explain that? Without, without the backstory, which I mean, we we know some of the story, and obviously they're telling little bits and pieces here. Like I said, I forgot the last time he was on the Raw because they've been doing the interviews, but we really haven't figured out. Okay, how has he gotten this new power? What the deal is the Fiend, et cetera, et cetera. And the question now becomes: Okay, if you're going to make him the supernatural, and like I said, I'm going to quote something from Ghost of the Stratosphere because, like I said, I thought they got buried. They say no because they feel like they buried the rest of the roster by making Bray out to be immortal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and but that's the thing though is like maybe the route should have been you know Seth versus Braun again in the Hell in the Cell. I agree. And then the Fiend phased through you know a la Kane ripping the door down. You know the vice versa of that. You know instead of having him rip the door, it would have been having him phase through the door like he did when he came out, and then turn the lights red, have him attack both men, and then walk out of the show that way, and then that could have led to something else. See, the thing I would have liked is you know have. Bray hit his finisher, Seth's line in the ring, and he's just kind of doing his his crouch, his whatever you call that thing. Yeah. Like he's just looking at him all creepy. And then he just leaves. Like, I, I don't need this. I'm above uh, this. That would have been clever, I, too. You know, I don't need this. And, and people, fans would have gone, wait a minute. Well, he doesn't want the belt? What? Well, that was the question about, like, the ending, because obviously the, the fans were very vocal. Yeah, right. A little bit. To say, I mean, they were, what, Chan, refund and, in AEW? Refund it's just AEW, not, yeah. It's not fair. Like, I just I feel for Seth in this because he was put in an imp- impossible position. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's literally nothing that he can do when it's like everybody's so hot in the fiend, and then he has to go out and do this match. And you know, listen, we want you. Like I said a minute ago, like we want you to win. What am? What is he to do with that other than all right? Let's just figure this out and go from there. Yeah. No, he, he, it's an impossible spot. He can't win, and especially this always seems to happen to him when he's a face. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody else notice this? He yeah. all well, they book him. Horribly as a face. Yeah. yeah, they book. I mean, honestly, when he was a heel and he was with Triple H, it should have been, you know, I'm the game of games now. Like I'm learning from the mentor, and instead he was a chicken shit heel, which I hated. Yeah, and now you're booking him as a face, and instead of being this, you know, I've learned from the game. I am, you know, the guy who brought the belt back, which was what they were originally starting the story with. You know, I brought the back the belt back from uh, Brock. I'm going to be a defending champion. I'm going to wear this crown. I'm going to be the man. To then the BS that he had to get into with, um, you know, Becky and uh, Corbin, and, Corbin and, and, Lacey and, and Lacey Evans, yeah. to now him being a sniveling little quivering baby facing the fiend, right? Which instead it should have been booked as, okay, you know, the uh, this this new thing, you know, you're still, you know, uh, the guy. Bray Wyatt, you're still Bray. I'm not afraid of you because I know you're Bray. And then it should have been that match and that telling. And then they could have had The Fiend been like, I'm not Bray Wyatt. You think I am, but I am not. And then shown something else in the ring. They still might touch upon it because, like I said, that was the biggest takeaway from Hell in a Cell. So let's jump to the next night, Monday Night Raw. Uh-huh. No <laughs> mention. Well, the, no, there was like all, all of like a, maybe a 60-second mention, but that was it. Yeah, but but it was, no, they it did. They did. You missed it because I missed it. Well, well, yeah. sweep, they're sweeping this under the rug. Well, yeah. well the, the Monday Night Raw this week was really a mail-in you know, Monday Night Raw because, of course, the first night of the, the draft is this Friday. So they don't want to exactly start any feuds for the next pay-per-view, and I'm not counting Crown Jewel or whatever the heck that thing's called. The next proper pay-per-view. They don't want to start anything now because sure. that's going to tip off but, where these guys are going. But guys that's also the problem, though, with this, with this whole setup is, you know, you, you really should have kicked off the, the start of everything yeah. with having the super shows on Monday and Friday, still booking it the way that you were booking it. You know, maybe Rock could have come out and on SmackDown and done a guest announcing of a pick, you know, and still had his segment with Baron right. Corbin. Like, you know, maybe it could have been instead of picking Baron Corbin first, maybe SmackDown picked Becky Lynch. Baron Corbin takes, you know... Offense uh, to it. Or yeah, something. offense to it. Comes out. The Rock still squashes him. Everybody goes home happy. We get the one-liners, and then you go from there. But instead, you know, you book yourselves into this corner where, you know, now you have four, three shows ahead of your draft 
and you can't do anything because you don't want to give your hands away on where people are going, right. as if like they know where people are going yet, and then you still have to go from there and figure out where people are going and book matches. Right. Yeah, it just it, it just turned into a big old train wreck. I mean, yeah. and, and the whole Lana Lashley thing to kick off with. Uh, I am so over that. Yeah, this yeah. is not doing anything. It's not comfortable. We mentioned this on the show last week, that all three involved with that angle need better angles. Again, it was it was a shock value booking for the sake of doing it. Yeah. The only thing amusing was the Brazers tweet and the Blue Chew tweet. Sure. That was, Agreed. That was the only thing. You can search it on Twitter. I'm not even going to read but, it. But, I mean, honestly, though, I, it's just not necessary to, to have that segment. No. Especially be the kickoff segment at 8 no. o'clock no. when kids are still. I mean, yeah. when I was a 12, 13, or when I was 9 and 10 and Raw would start at 8, you know, my mom would let me watch the first hour. So, you know, as a as a nine and ten year old, yeah, had that's, my that's kid appropriate stuff. Yeah, had my kid been opening the show to that, change the channel. Quick. Like I would have been flipping off the show and not coming back. Yeah. Yeah, it's what they need to figure out if they're gonna go attitude error or what this new phase you, is. You wanna book that, that's the ten o'clock yeah, and, and opener. It, and it really says something about how just bad the show was when your main event was Braun Strowman confronting, you know, heavyweight boxing champion Tyson Fury, which you know, okay, get it, fine. It's what it is, what it is. But to me, that's more of a nine o'clock segment than your main event. Well, it depends on what they're going with it. I mean, I watch more boxing than anybody here. Tyson, sure. Tyson Fury is. Oh, he's legit. Yeah, he's on pace to have one of the biggest boxing matches when he fights DeAndre Wilder. Uh, hopefully in twenty twenty, like that nothing crazy happens. Everybody wins their fights, and then he can but, have that rematch again. But my problem with the Fury thing is, is again, you know, it goes back to what, you know, a lot of the guys who have left WWE has said, you know, that why aren't you booking your own people in this stuff? Yeah. Because, like, why be, are you going third party to get all of this heat right now? Because my guess, and like I said, this is my unofficial ODPH guess, is they are going to try stacking Crown Jewel or whatever the next pay-per-view that they're traveling for so much that they're losing track of what got him there. Right. And they really want to get such an international audience because Fury is an international audience, and yeah. obviously from what he's done in boxing. So he will draw people that would not be really familiar with um, WWE to that show if he's on it. Sure. And, and he fights Braun. I think it's it's an interesting idea because Fury obviously is moving needles right now because people find out how charismatic he is, and Fury is. I just don't understand this happening any for any other reason than a crown jewel, and they really want to book that. Right. And that's the only thing that is sticking out of instead of working your own team, unless they're just kind of waiting and saying, okay, well, we don't know what we want to do with Braun post-draft, and we're going to lock him up with this, that yeah. we can have Fury knock him out. And if they do that, I mean, the mystique of Braun is gone. The mystique of Braun is gone already, in my well, I'm, I'm sorry. He hit that top rope frog splash. <laughs> Yeah, that and you you still may have him lose the match. Right, yeah, but I mean, I but. but it's the same thing as Big Show though. When they did that with Floyd, like that wasn't like didn't you learn the first time? It's not a good look by having a boxer come in and knock out your big man. Yeah, and especially if I'm one of the boxing promoters that is tied in with the Deontay Wilder rematch that they're eventually going to happen. I'm saying no, the hell you're not going near WWE because yeah. if you get hurt, right? But I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to work something. And I mean, putting them in against Braun is the interesting part because I mean, just the work rate just isn't necessarily there for a guy to stay safe in the ring. So putting them in is definitely a risk. But I think my biggest thing would be is. You know, I wouldn't want as WWE our biggest and largest attraction 
being Braun getting knocked out by a, a boxer. A, you know, again, our biggest star getting or a big, our biggest attraction, meaning you know, size wise, being knocked out by a, a boxer. Yeah, this is where they're painting themselves in the corner, and I don't know how they're going to get themselves out. Like at least Kane. Velasquez has the work rate and the. Well, and there's a story built in. And there's that. a story built into it exactly. So like him being Brock, I'm gonna be like, all right, wow, that's that's something. But Braun losing the Fury, I'm gonna be more upset on the Braun end than I'm gonna be on the wow, that's really cool that he just knocked him out Fury side. Yeah, because the one thing with too with Fury during that segment when he's fighting the security guards, he was telegraphing his punches so bad. Well, and I understand he why he has to. He has to. Yeah. But I was like, oh my god, like this is just. Well, I mean, you heard the story. Like, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Mike Tyson told the stories mm-hmm. of you know how when he was doing the the pullback on punches that you know everybody got nervous when they were having him work because they were like any slight landing, and yeah. it's gonna knock you unconscious. It's gonna be lights out. Yeah. So obviously, Raw decided to start this week on a weak note. And, I and, go. To, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's easy. That's way. putting it nicely. Yeah. NXT. We don't really know what to expect other than I think they're going to have a good show. Not a yeah. great show. I, mean, I haven't heard anything what's advertised for this week. So I, nothing's really ringing a bell right yeah. now because I think everybody's waiting till that draft starts. Right. And then you're going to see the shuffling of the decks of all the major rosters. WWE. Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. 205 Live is going to get absorbed in NXT. 205 Live has essentially been canceled already. It's not on the schedule on the network. Right. I thought it was supposed to be Friday nights now at 10 o'clock. Nope. It's off the schedule. Okay. Well, either way, they're going to move the Cruiserweight division to NXT, which I think is a good look. Wait, right. They, they already are because I think they during the NXT show last week, they announced that it's going to be Drew Gulak versus Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Oh. Which I'm completely fine with, and I have no issue with them doing that because Full Sail is a better audience to really get into what they're doing. I, I mean, I went to a SmackDown show, and, you know, it's tough after an entire SmackDown show to then hang on for 205 Live when they open with, you know, Wrestler X versus Wrestler Y. Yeah. You know, it's just it, you're there for two hours, you know, and maybe even three for a SmackDown show. And then on top of that, you got to tape and watch, you know, 205 Live, and you're like, you just you don't have it left in you. Yeah, this is where we get really interesting, and it's going to be a fun time as a wrestling fan to start watching. Yeah, we've said it time and time again. Yeah, so so, what a time to be alive in wrestling. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your draft predictions for the WWE? Ha, who goes know. first? Yeah. I don't. You know what? I would say it's probably going to be Becky Lynch. Could be. Okay. I will throw that as my first pick overall. I think right now that would make the most sense going to SmackDown. And I think SmackDown is going to get so loaded. It's going to oh, be ridiculous. SmackDown is going to be so, so top-heavy. It's right. going to be nuts. First pick. I would probably say Brock. Okay. Charlotte. Charlotte. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag and let us know what you're thinking. And also check out pinocomics.com for Lou's blog of Marks and Men. He just started doing a wrestling blog. And this week is the last 3FNW by our friends over at 3 Fat Nerds. Shout out to the hashtag 607 podcast group. Rich can explain, so definitely tune in and find out for yourself. they got some big moves going on. You can definitely find the links on the hashtag 607 podcast link on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, so definitely take a listen to 3FN this week because they got some big news they are announcing. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Rob Kacharek from the band 607, Autopilot Off, and Walking Distance, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the 
final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, why don't you kick us off with that local minute? Well, local minute, hockey is finally back in Binghamton. Uh, the Binghamton Devils kicked off their 2019-2020 season uh, last week. They opened against the Utica Utica Comets, uh, where they lost by final score of 4-3. to three. Uh, Their next game is this Friday up in Bellevue against the Senators. Uh, they have a game again on Saturday against the Bellevue Senators. The uh, Binghamton Devils do not return home until Saturday, uh, October 19th, game time 7.05. For more information, BinghamtonDevils.com. And Coach, you got a little Binghamton Bulldogs news? Yeah, the, on Friday night they have their red and white scrimmage uh, at their new venue at St. Patrick's down in Binghamton. They will be, uh, you know, an inter-squad scrimmage uh, Friday at 8 o'clock, and that will lead into their first opening game, which is the following weekend, Saturday, October 19th, versus the Elite Kings of Queens. Mm. So it definitely be a fun time to get out there, and let's see what the, the dogs have lined up, shall we say. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'll make the inter-squad scrimmage, but I'll definitely try and be there for that opening tip. So definitely BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or especially check them out on Facebook. They're very, very active on that. Yeah. So let's round those bases and take this show home. Pad, you want to kick us off? Sure. Of course, postseason baseball is in full swing. Uh, opened up with the uh, wild card games where the Tampa Bay Rays defeated the Oakland Athletics 5-1. to The Washington Nationals defeated the Milwaukee Brewers uh, by a final score of 4-3. to One of the most heartbreaking losses I've ever seen in my entire life. Ouch. Go, go look up the highlights. Uh, over in the uh, the division series, uh, you currently have the Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Houston Astros, where currently Houston uh, leads the series two games to one. They play game four tonight as we record. Uh, oh, then you have in the National League, you have uh, the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Atlanta Braves, where the series is tied two games to two. Uh, game five takes place on Wednesday, October 9th, uh, 5.02 p.m. Eastern on Brook TBS. Uh, and then you have the Washington Nationals versus the L.A. Dodgers, where the series is tied two games apiece. Uh, game five is also on Wednesday, October 9th, game time, 8.37 p.m. Eastern time on TBS. That is bearing uh, the game prior to that gets done on time so it might get pushed back a little bit who knows but then in the uh, LDS you finally had your first team get through and that was the New York Yankees uh, clinching last bow, night bow, bow, bow. Uh, sweeping the Minnesota Twins uh, winning the series three games to none final score of five to one uh, moving on to the LCS and waiting on whoever wins the Houston Tampa Bay series and uh, my hope is that series goes five and there's at least a 20 inning game in there someplace I would love to see that but I fear it's going to be Houston I was, I, it could be Houston but you know what Justin Verlander starting uh their next game you know short rest you know i'm hoping he, you know he gets shelled leaves the game early houston's got to run deep into their bullpen so that it will just everything works in the yankees favor we'll definitely have to check that out i mean baseball in the postseason you can't beat it and nope. you know the yankees savages in the box what do you want me to say yes what do you want me to say coach what you got for us the nba preseason has started You're and talking preseason talking preseason because Ooh. everybody else is talking preseason because people are making assumptions out of nowhere. I mean, I'm making assumptions that Zion is going to be on multiple posters this year. I mean, the Lakers tweeted their uh, arrival as they beat the Golden State Warriors last Saw week that. in a preseason game. Saw that. Freezing cold takes are on the job. They have saved that tweet, and they will be replying that depending on where the Lakers finish this year. And then the New York Bully Knicks yeah. came out of nowhere Ooh, smashing balls in people's faces here. Marquis, uh, Marco, Marcus Morris coming right off the bat with a with an elbow and a ball in the face to the Washington defender. R.J. Barrett. Uh, to the fit, yeah. R.J. Barrett finished with 17 points in his debut. Uh, 
Yeah, what more can you say? It's basketball season. So listen, listen Morris, Morris shouldn't have been ejected for that. He should have been applauded. Yeah, absolutely. That. I mean, I, everybody's tweeting that the 90s Knicks are back. I love it. I'll embrace it. Let's just, before we go and go crazy, though, it is still, <laughs> it's preseason. It, it, listen, it's not the 90s. The 90s aren't back until Jeff Van Gundy is on the side sidelines losing his mind. I will not wow. hear this. No, because the Knicks, I need this. <laughs> back. I need yeah. this. Okay, we're going to get probably smoked in the regular season. No, I need this right now. We are showing that little swagger of Mason and Oakley and Ewing were underneath with Allen Houston and Starks at the point. We need this, Coach. I mean, honestly, I the roster, the way that it ran, I think is fine. I, I honestly think that they might be able to make a run in the playoff, Ken. I'm fully in it. I, we're going to. A seed. No fear. I mean, Bring on Brooklyn. Seventh I'm or eighth. I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out right now. No, I need this. I can't wait for that first Brooklyn game. I can't wait Because Kevin either. Durant today was throwing out smoke. Yeah, he's... And was not not even his fake Twitter account. On his actual Twitter account, mm-hmm. was throwing out some real smoke to the, to the Garden. So, yeah, I mean... I'm just I'm excited basketball's back. I I'm excited that the Knicks are going to have some sort of relevance and not just playing for the first pick next year. So it it will be exciting times. I can't wait for RJ Barrett to dunk on Prozingis. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. When that happens, I apologize right now for what's going to happen on OD Parlay Hour on Twitter uh, and Coach Duffy's account because. There'll just be memes for probably just 24 tweets hours. on tweets on tweets about it. It will just be all it will be ugly. That's like yeah, that's one of the games circled on the calendar. Definitely going to put the frog crying over Przingis's face. Oh nah. my god, let's make this happen. So obviously the NBA is back, but also the NHL is back. Yes, and obviously when it was down in New York Comic Con, I got to go to the home opener of those New York Rangers. Holy smokes, they came out. I mean, first game was a little rough against Winnipeg. Sure, very back and forth, but. Mika Zibanejad, mm-hmm. Nuff said, is absolutely on a mission right oh, now. for sure. He is killing it right now. And obviously the Rangers won 6-4, went up to Ottawa, smoked them 4-1. to The next game, I believe, is Saturday against the Edmonton. They're going to be back at the Garden. Hockey is back right now. I mean, it's still too early to kind of give some predictions other than, you know, we're bringing home the cup as the Blue Shirt Nation stands up. Um, but everybody is kind of just getting the feeling out right now. I mean, there's no real major storylines, I don't think, going on right now other than the Rangers looking amazing. No, I mean. No, uh, a little early, but yeah, it's still, they'll, they'll develop. Hockey is a is a long, long season. So mm-hmm. it's definitely um, – I know that Pittsburgh just announced um, – their center, uh, Malkin, is out indefinitely mm-hmm. with a lower body injury. Oh, that ain't good. So, I mean, that's an early bit of a storyline. So, we'll see where that leads Pittsburgh, you know, especially since their roster always seems to be quite the turnover, you know, as far as their secondary players, yeah. you know, not so much the role players. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, you're Ken, you're spot on. I mean, the Rangers look good. They, it's they early, look, but they look good. They look good. The defense looked a little shaky at times, though, against Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. They're, but they're a young blue line. Yeah, but they scrapped, and that's what I wanted to see. Panarin looked good. Sure. He looked really good coming out of the league. Cacao, to be determined, but he's, it's, it's still early. It's, it's early. It's, it's early. early. Very early. It's still early. He looked good in the preseason, yeah. so, I mean, that's definitely important to go into that, you know, the regular season. Yeah, but Mika, Mika has stepped up for the Rangers And he right had now. to. He had to. Oh, my God. Especially with, you know, whatever they're going to – whatever ends up happening with Kreider, which God – I hope they hold on to him. He's a, 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 a my favorite Ranger personally, so I, I really don't want to see him get traded at the deadline depending on where they are. But the the problem with him is he needs to stay motivated throughout sure. the year. He has shown game streaks where he has disappeared during games. It is what it is. Yeah. It, but I do like it that he's answering to Coach Quinn a little more right. than he has in, in um, 
with, well, with Vignon. I mean, I definitely think that he's on the path, you know, with Mika to be the C. They yeah. went, you know, they went with three A's this year. I definitely think maybe next year, depending on where things land, that one of those two guys will be wearing the captaincy next year. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping it because, like I said, Mika is out the gate hot right now with four goals, four assists, eight points. Something, yeah, that's something, killer. Something insane like that in two games. Give me it all day. Blue Shirt Nation, stand the puck up. I'm sorry. I'm going to get way too hyped right now. <laughs> way too hyped. we got to wrap up the show with the locks and leaps. But, you know, hockey is back. Bring home the cup, folks. Pat, why don't you kick us off with your locks and leaps? Uh, before I get into locks and leaps, interesting uh, little stat I saw. Of course, the Washington Redskins take on the Miami Dolphins this weekend. Something <laughs> presumably has to give. And uh, nobody is allowed to take that game. Uh, oh, no, no! Uh, if you are in the Miami area and you're looking for something to do on Sunday, uh, Miami Dolphins tickets are currently going for $16. Uh, the cost of admission for the Miami Zoo is $23. See, Pat is giving you alternatives to go to the game. He is trying to make sure you are getting the best deal for your buck. Uh-huh. Thank you, Pat. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, switching to locks and leaps, I'm going to look at the one of the 1 o'clock games, uh, specifically the Cincinnati Bengals against the Baltimore Ravens. Currently, Baltimore is favored by 11.5 points. I, you know, Cincinnati, uh, for as much as we talk about how bad, you know, the Redskins and the Dolphins are being winless, uh, let's not forget, Cincinnati Bengals are 0-5. Mm. Uh, I do not see the Cincinnati Bengals winning this game. They just have absolutely nothing going for them in any way shape or form and it's just astounding to see so i think uh, baltimore is going to be able to win that game and then for my leap i'm looking at another one of the one o'clock games uh specifically the new orleans saints and the jacksonville jaguars where currently jacksonville is a one point favorite uh i think the saints are gonna be able to pull this one out you have the exact same ones i do Ooh. Interesting. Legit. We might have to start leading with you, Ken, because we yeah. keep uh, yeah. everybody lands on the same one. Yeah. Uh, Pat, I want to thank you for not taking the Giants because I thought you were eyeballing that all day as the fact that, like we mentioned earlier in the show, about 25% of the starting lineup for the Giants are going to be out this weekend. Uh, my lock is going to be the Ravens, too. Okay. I also like that line. Everybody's uh, on that one. Good. Yeah, everybody's on that one. I think 11 and a half. I definitely think. Yeah, I like that. I like that number. I think that that's a magical number there. I think they'll cover at least by two touchdowns. You know, especially uh, coming off of the loss against Cleveland, the close game against Baltimore, another in division game. Pittsburgh, thank you. Yes, uh, I think it's another in division game that they're going to need to win. And then I'm I'm sorry, Ken. My leap, I'm taking it. Uh-oh. I'm taking the Dolphins to win against Washington. Oh Lord, at home. Oh Lord, somebody needs to win this game. Washington is three-and-a-half-point favorites. I like the fact that the Dolphins are going to win this game. Do they, do they have to win, though? Somebody has to win. Do they, though? Now, if they win in a tie, you know, it's still it's still a draw, so they covered. Yeah. I like this game. I'll say this. If if this game ends in a tie, I will give, I want it, it I will give everybody five points on the locks and leaps. Listen, automatic. I'm saying they have to cover. Yeah. I mean, one way or another, they're going to cover. Somebody's going to cover it because this is going to be an absolutely ugly game. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be so bad. So I, like I said, I copied Pad for my locks and leaps. Uh, So let me give you two quick ones that just just to stand out different. All right. So going into the locks, I'm sorry, I got to take the Patriots. I think that unfortunately, uh, Danny Dimes might be getting a refund. I mean, 17 points is probably fair. That's a that's Vegas saying come. 
Come take the points. Is it right. 17 points? points? I genuinely haven't looked it's, at the line. It's 17 right points. Now, yeah. no, no, no Saquon and no Evan Ingram Oof. right now. Well, I As of right I, now, no Saquon. He's He he did practice today. I legitimately haven't looked at the line. Yeah. My God, it is 17. Yeah, yeah so I think it's going to be a rough day for the Giants. No offense, Coach, but it's, I, but it's, it's the Ken, Patriots I'm, at Foxborough. I'm telling you I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I The only thing that I think might keep it in check is that I don't know if they'll cover. 17 is a big number to cover, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, 25% of the starting lineup is out for the Giants. So, yeah, yeah it could be a long day, and I will give a leap, and I'm drinking some Kool Aid. I'm taking the Jets oh over the Lord. Cowboys. Oh, my oh God. My Lord. Like, I will give that leap out there. I'm going to say this. I know this looks like low hanging fruit for anybody that does the Vegas line. Seven points. And I'm just saying this looks too good to be true. I think that Dallas is going to come down there and play to the level of the Jets. And I think Sam Darnold is going to win an ugly game, like a seventeen to fourteen. Could be. Now, am I Could taking be. this as my lock and leap? No, but you know what? I'm, I think maybe I'll just comment about this that's, next week. That seven points is. Oh, it's low hanging fruit. It I just, is. But some, I, the Jets could definitely cover. Well, I don't know if they'll win, but I could definitely see them covering. See, this just reminds me way back when, when the last time I was out in Vegas, and Roethlisberger and company came in to Pitts or to yeah. Met, or uh, MetLife. And yeah. the Jets were awful. Yeah. Yeah. And the Jets put 24 up on them in the first quarter. Yeah. And I just, I have this odd feeling it's going to be the same thing this time around. Oh, man. I'm hoping I'm wrong because I'd like to see the Jets lose so the Bills have some cushion room in second place. But we'll kind of have to wait and see. I like another game that highlights to me is this Seahawk Brown game. Yeah. One point favorite for Seattle. Wolf. I mean, if they win on that the game, they're too. definitely going to cover. Yeah, on the road, Especially too. with how bad the Browns have looked. The Browns got to find their identity. That's the problem. Because, I mean, San Francisco just laid this. And or you talk about a, a guy that's going to feast, you know, with New England, with Soldier. What do you think Clowney's going to do after he just watched it, uh, Watt's performance for San Francisco? Yeah, yeah I think he's, oh. he's salivating oh to get there. Oh, my God. And I, I <laughs> yeah, th- and I think I think Baker is going to need to really rally that team. They're not in free fall, free fall by any means. But the issue I have with them when I see them play is they look lost. Like, they don't have an identity. Like, they think they're coasting on the hype. And that's the biggest yeah, downfall of any team. You have so many weapons on both sides of the ball Yet you can't get them out of the holster. This is why you know a Mike McCarthy. You know when they fired everybody and and brought in, um, you know the the coach now. You know McCarthy probably would have been the right spot. Yeah, Kitchens. I don't think Kitchens is the guy. not the guy. He's not the guy. I think he looks lost out there, especially this game. I mean, I, I love the look of putting OBJ, you know, at tailback just to get him touches, but. At the end of the day, if you can't scheme to get one of the best wide receivers open when you know Baker Mayfield has a strong arm like he does, that's a that's that's a problem. It's a big problem, and they need to fix quickly, or otherwise, if they free fall and like let's say they lose the next five straight, I, he's out of there. I think he's out sure. of there. Kitchen's I gone. think I think he's gone with the amount of talent they got. I don't see him surviving this. No, if, no if way. Not with fall. not with the coaches that could be out there next year. Yeah, so definitely something to watch in Cleveland. But see if Seattle pulls that win off, I mean, the NFC West is getting very, very interesting. Yeah, for sure. And Seattle plays, is playing well. Yeah, they're playing very well. Playing very good. So definitely have to stay tuned for that. It's exciting football coming up this week. 
The music you heard on this week's episode of the ODPH Sports Show is at a Fair City Fire. There are friends from Austin, Texas, faircityfire.com for more information on them. Or you can just go to ochoduroparleyhour.com and check on the music link. You can find them. You can find Shout Out the Robots. You can find Floodlands, Walking Distance, Honker, all the great music you hear on the podcast each and every week. And also when you go to the website, you can find Parlay Points where you see blogs up for the sports show, the entertainment edition, comics blog, the occasional Tales from the Dog when we can track him down because he might be going to Cleveland for that game. Uh-oh. There is a rumor out that the dog is traveling. Uh, let me just say this. Cleveland, you're not ready. You're not ready if he gets out there. But there is so much on OchoDoroParleyHour.com. You definitely have to go check it out. We shout out again everybody we ran into at New York Comic Con since we are now done with our con season. But definitely another shout out goes out to So Wizard and Ghost of the Stratosphere, Superhero Speak, Pina Comics, Colt 45 podcast, everybody that we ran into down in New York. It was a, it was a blast meeting everybody. And for our friends in Three Fat Nerds, they are now heading up to Scaracon. They just tore up Sci-Fi and Horror Fest in Oneana this past weekend. So with Mike C, too, they have got tons of stories going on for the recap shows that they're doing. But it was an absolute wild time con season. I, for one, am glad to be done for right now. Uh, Pat, I don't know about you. I'm still tired. Yeah. We, I'm tired. Are you guys just tweeting and talking about it right now? I yeah. mean, listen, I'm... I'm not going to be able to sleep in until next week. It, I'm still tired. Yeah, no, we've definitely tore it up. And like I said, So Wizard, Pine of Comics, Ghost of Stratosphere, Superior Speak, Colt 45 Podcast, everybody we ran into down in New York, was it was an awesome, awesome time. But we got to get back to the sports. We got to start getting back to regular ODPH business. And that's where you find us on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. But definitely remember to check out Three Fat Nerds Podcast this week because they got so much going on because that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night and pray for Daniel Jones. <laughs> for Padawan J. Do your job. I'm your host, Ken M. Blue Shirt Nation. Stand up. We're taking the cup home. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. We'll see you next time.